We Speak English Good has expanded to WSEG-TV. That's right. You can find us on Twitch every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join us as we interview guests, we do live loops, and sometimes we have in-studio performances. Tune in at twitch.tv slash we speak English good. Also, go check out our sponsor, modedstudios.com. M-O-D-E-D-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. Moded Studios has all your favorite patches and apparel. Go check them out. Some of the hottest sellers are the Wu-Tang patches. Get a Wu-Tang patch that represents your country, your sports team, or just your favorite design. ModedStudios.com. Now on with the show. Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Mr. James Bradley Jr. James Bradley Jr. is a legendary drummer who has worked with some of the finest artists that this country has ever produced. He's worked with Nat King Cole, Anita Baker, Chuck Mangione, The Beastie Boys, Slash Crazy Town, and the list goes on and on. He's a Los Angeles native, and uh, he's currently a Sweden Swedish resident. Uh, I had a wonderful conversation with James. This ended up turning into more of a uh, in-depth retrospective of James's music career, and we go through the whole thing. It, it was it was wonderful. We had a great conversation, and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But just give me one second while I tell you about Rainamystique.com. Go to Rainamystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com, and go check out her latest single called Stew. She also streams three days a week on Twitch, which is Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and on Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go check her out, twitch.tv slash randommystique. You can also find us. We Speak English Good is on Twitch as well. Come and experience the fun. If you like this show and you like the content that we do here, then you're going to love a WSEG TV on Twitch. Go on over there, twitch.tv slash we speak English good. Come be a part of the conversation. Come and talk to the guests yourself. Come join Soifer. Soifer. <laughs> join Cypher Deluxe on Fridays where we feature uh, the community's talents. If you have a hot 16 you want to spit, you got a poem, you got a song you want to share, then come on through. We do it every Friday. It's called Cypher Deluxe. We do live loops. We got Sometimes we're doing music streams. We do so much more content over on the Twitch stream than you're ever going to get here on the podcast feed. So please do come on over to We Speak English Good on Twitch. So twitch.tv slash We Speak English Good. You can also like, subscribe, and review. Like us on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, <laughs> my wife is trying to get me to do TikTok. I started a TikTok, but I quickly abandoned it because I just didn't care. But she's starting to inspire me to get it back out and uh i might get on tiktok so tiktok discord twitter instagram it's just it's too much to manage honestly it's just too much (laughs) 
You can also subscribe on Apple iTunes uh, or anywhere you get your podcast. You can subscribe on YouTube where you'll find the video versions of this podcast. You can find the video version of this podcast on the YouTube and also in the show notes. You can go click right now so you can see the conversation unfold you can also subscribe on twitch which will cost you a few dollars but every penny goes back into this show to make it even better so come on through to the twitch and hang out and also you can leave a review this one is pretty important to the podcast here because leaving a review makes it easier for people to find us they bump us up in the algorithm or something i don't completely understand it i don't think anyone completely understands it it's just this like weird mystery that everyone just pretends to know the answer to but i don't know i'm not gonna pretend i'm done pretending Anyways, yeah, please go leave a review on our Apple iTunes or anywhere you can leave a review for a podcast. It's super duper helpful. Plus, we'll read them on air. You can also write the show at WeSpeakEnglishGood at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking, how we're doing, and what you think of this show and where it's going. Do you, do you, guys, like, do you guys like the Twitch feed podcast now? You guys, do you guys, I mean, the numbers are doing pretty good, so I'm, it doesn't look like you guys hate it, so... I don't know. I, I, let me know. <laughs> Shoot me an email. Let me know how you feel well, at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com. Okay, guys, that is it out of me. Let me see. What do we got going on? Oh, so on the Twitch stream this Friday, um, the December, whatever that this Friday is, what is today? The 19th. So the 23rd or something. Anyways, 23rd. Friday, this Friday we have MC Offbeat is back on the on the on the Twitch stream and he's back to make everybody mad. And then of course we have Cypher Deluxe. So come and join us. And I think we have um Controversy for Breakfast is gonna be our next release on the podcast feed on Friday. So I'm not sure. I'll follow up on that. But anyways, please put your hands together for my friend and your friend. James Bradley Jr. Hey, James. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. You're on. All right, man. Wow, you got a, you guys got a lot of stuff going on, man. That's uh, cool. Oh man, man it's, dope. <laughs> it's a whole thing over here. It's a whole thing. It, right on. It, Word. It, <laughs> and, and the fun part is, is that I have to do it all myself. So right now I'm. Wow. Actually, <laughs> but you know what? I like it. I like the idea of controlling all the aspects of it. Um, because yeah. you know, if you have to depend on other people, you know how band situations go. I'm sorry, I don't mean to not look at you, man. I'm trying to fix. Uh, oh, that's some... cool. I, I see you. It's, it's good. It's good. I'm over it's here. Good. I'm over here just trying to make sure we got stuff. Gail, welcome, welcome, right welcome. Thank you for being here. Yeah, you, you know how it is in a band. You got to rely on other people, and then if they don't show up, then are, are we doing right. the gig? Is a... So when it, nothing when it, gets done unless you do it yourself. Thank you. Most thank time, you. you know, thank you. Most of the time. That's, exactly. that's some old. That's some old old school stuff. You know, yeah. old school, but it still, it still works after hundreds of years. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Hey, um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, James, do you have the stream on in the background? Could you? Do you mind muting that? Just because actually, I'm... 
No, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was no. actually playing what? It's all music, but I, oh, I can turn I it off. Though. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just hearing feedback and stuff, and and it's throwing me off. If you need music on, please be comfortable. I no, don't no, 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 no. I have my own list, which I'm going to send you. Oh, please do, please do. <laughs> I have a couple of lists. I have a couple of lists, and you you named. I love the uh, list of artists that you were talking about, about playing. You know. Oh yeah. I, Uncle Uncle JBJ. You know, I have well, you know, I have some very interesting. Uh, you said Al Green, and you said I mean I'm, I am like kind of like a, a Quincy Jones, uh, you know, type drummer and musician because I play all styles, you know, yeah. from jazz, bebop to hard rock to funk to, you know, you name it. I, I've played it since I was a you know a child because of uh, my upbringing, my teachings from my. Well, it was God-given ability, but my mother and father were musicians back way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, yeah, man. I mean, that, that was one of the things I was going to say. I mean, because you go from Chuck Mangione and you're going to Beastie Boys and, you know, you that, and then, you know, Crazy Town. Those are very different styles of music, but you handle oh, it very yeah. well. Has, 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 uh, what was the, did you intend to become a versatile player or is that just something that happened because you were just in that scene? You're just playing. Well, no, I mean, uh, no, because uh, in different different periods of my life, you know, growing up, I mean, there were, there were different styles and music. Uh, I think at the be in the beginning, when I was four years old, like that, that you know, we're talking about 1962. I mean, I remember the first time I, w I was on TV at the time too, but you know, every Sunday we would watch the Ed Sullivan Show, which I've been rumored to have been on, but never got on there because I got I got bumped by the the Beatles the first performance. You know, Asshole. but I saw the Beatles. Check this out. I saw the Beatles when I was four years old, and it's just like like the scene in the Portuguese when the little girl walks up to the TV. You know, she said, "They're back." Well, I walked up and I said, "Mom, who are these guys?" You know, I was like, my mouth was wide open. I was I was. I was floored. I was floored, you know, when I saw them, and then that led to, you know, seeing, seeing. Uh, uh, then they had like he was really versatile. He had like the, the Motown artists from Detroit, you know, Temptations, and you know, James Brown was on. The next week, he had the Rolling Stones, their first appearance, and yeah. Ray Charles, and we had all this music, you know, all all this, you know, these like legends, you know, like performing and watching them. TV and, and I was on TV, you know, myself as a, as a four year old. Right, yeah, you're a child. Drummer, I, well, you know, so well, let's get into my that. My parents were musicians, so I, I. Yeah, let's get into that because at the beginning of the show here, we uh, we showed. Um, we showed a little clip of Jack Benny, but 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 first, I feel like we don't close the chapter on this book. I I I just feel like we're not ready. Uh, but but the versatility okay. in playing is that something that just came over your career, or is that something that you started out like I need to be good at jazz? I need to be good no, at rock. No, I didn't and roll? say no, no, absolutely not. Like I said, my roots are in jazz. My mother played piano mm. and sang. She was a blues and jazz pianist. Yeah. And she had toured with, uh, she had, she was in high school with uh, two uh, jazz legends who are no longer with us, Art Farmer, trumpet mm -hmm. flugelhorn player, and um, Howard Roberts, Roberts, uh, white blind guitar, jazz guitarist. And they were in high school together oh, nice. growing up in Arizona, in Phoenix, Arizona. So uh, when she met my dad on the road at that time on tour, she was touring with uh, 
the Amos, Amos, the old Amos and Andy. Um, uh, yeah, they they Whoa. used to go on tour back in the day. You know. Whoa! Wait! 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 So so Amos and Andy would bring. <laughs> actual black people with them to be I, I well they were they're, they're, well they're not well the first one was a copy they, you know but the original they used to have a tv show right the, but they the were original amos and andy on tv but they but were they used to tour they were a touring group also oh okay. they had the television show but they used to go out on the road and play theaters and do the same type of skits you know theater theater style you know mm -hmm. my mom was playing piano in the tour in the band you know she, yeah she toured with them she met my father, who is a singer. He, he played trap drums, a, a cocktail drum, you know, where you mm -hmm. kind of stand up and play with brushes. Right. And, I got you. And uh, he had his own vocal group called the Ebonaires, and they were they were like, uh, wasn't quite doo-wop. It was right before the doo-wop scene. So we're talking about like the Mills Brothers or the Ink Spots. They were like, mm. you know, the, those type of bands. Okay. And but he was he was he was playing doing shows with uh, the late great Red Fox and oh, and Dean Martin, Dean Martin, Wonderful. and I, I need to tell the the kids <laughs> and some the people out there that uh, he appeared uh, in uh, Frank Sinatra's first movie, which was like a B movie before oh. he, he actually blew up. It was a movie called Meet Danny Wilson. Check it out. It's on YouTube. But there's one okay. scene where Frank is leaving the airport. You know, this has got the, like the late late fifties, I, I believe. And and they he he sees these four black guys. You know, they they were like the uh, the porters. You know, they 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 take the luggage. You know, yeah. and they they he stopped he stopped it. You know, back in those days, you know, they had music in the movies. You know, like a musical type thing. Right. He stopped and he sang a number with them. And one of one of the guys was my dad. You know? Oh, nice. They, they did a song together, you know, and then they, then he was touring with his own band and he met my mom and that's they got married and they had me, you know, now comes James. <laughs> well, I was, so, you know, um, I was I was yeah. just curious and, and, you know, I'm not trying to turn this into a race conversation, but like but Amos and Andy, yeah. Andy were famously they wore black face. Correct. Or am I wrong? Yeah. yeah we have the first. I don't but I don't know if that if. I don't know. That's what we need to check out if they were the first. If they were the first, yeah, they were white and in blackface. Exactly. Yes. And, and the, okay, so then but I don't know. Yeah, please. I don't know where they got the concept for from or you know how well, that happened, but that's something to look into. They <laughs> they know? saw talent in a, in another race and they took advantage of right. it. That's what that's what they saw. Quite, quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> quite, you're right. You're right. You should, you should you should check it out though. I mean, I, do I need check to it check it out myself because it's been a long. I mean, it's been years since I've seen it myself. But I remember as a small kid watching that on TV. Yeah, well, my dad you know, was huge into these kinds of things. Like my dad was really big into those old TV shows. Like, uh, you remember Nick at Night? I think it's still around. But like, yeah, Nick at Night. Yeah, yeah, but Nick we, at we Night. Can go back further than that. Well, I, yeah, I, I know shows that I used to watch. <laughs> Nick and Night. Yeah, right. Well, Nick and Night was for me. When my dad was huh. kind of reintroducing these shows to me, because he he would be probably a little bit older than you right now, um, but right. Uh, he uh, so he he brought all that stuff. He ingrained just all that old stuff in my head. So when you say Amos That's Andy, great. when you say Jack Benny, when you're saying Ed I'm, Sullivan, I'm glad. yeah, it's good that you yeah. You, I, I, uh, my dad shoved that stuff into my brain growing up. So you've been you've been well schooled. Well, I, I, I like to I like to say so and and. Uh, yeah. You know, so when I saw that Jack Benny footage, I was just, you know, blown away. I was just so, uh, just so excited about it because I know who Jack yeah. Benny is. I know who Nat King Cole is. 
So let's let's right. get into sort of your your youth and and uh, as a child. Uh, can you kind of explain your experience with going yeah, on the jet? Yeah, yeah. What happened? Yeah, what happened was uh, when I was about sixteen months old. I used to. Uh, my mother noticed. Uh, I'd wake up in the morning and she she always had the radio on uh, all the time. Music was always on, you know. And one of the channel, one of the channels I was listening to that they listened to was really cool. It was a, a top forty radio radio show out of Los Angeles called um, what was the name? Oh shit! It's um, I just I just had a blank right now. That's okay. Um, <laughs> it's all good, man. One, it was a pop, a top forty radio station. Mm. I, I jumped to a seventies radio station in my mind, but that's why I forgot it. But Okay. It's called yeah yeah K K K H J, okay, and they used to play the Beatles, you know anything from the Beatles, the English rock, which I call the first British invasion, mm. uh, with Rolling Stones or the, the Beach Boys. They were in you know from L A. I'm in Long Beach, you know, and James Brown, you know, and the Mot of course Motowns, and so, so I had this this wide range of pop, you know, cultural like crossings, you know the blend of the two two different types of genre, you know, playing. But I, the thing that was really strange, I, I would use, I used to play, I, I I don't know how I got a hold of them, but two pencils that you write with, I would be beating, standing up in the crib and playing on the rent on the side of the crib, playing actual beats in perfect time to what whatever song was on. Right. Wow. And my mother, like, she, she was like, wow, what, what is this? What's going on here? And then, like one day, she took me out of the crib, and I, I crawled on the floor into the kitchen, and I started going in the cupboard and start pulling out pots and pans, and laying them, laying them on the floor, setting them up like a drum set, mm. and playing them like a drum set. So this was all happening, and she was like, "What?" The? <laughs> and then she finally, like, I, for my third birthday, they got me a toy drum drum kit. And I tore it up in like two days. I banged it, played it so hard, I blew it up, blew it up in two days. I mean, and I told my father, I, I told him, you know, I was able to talk then, three, three and a half, four years old. I said, you know, I want to have a, I want to have a real drum set. And I started naming the, the, uh, the drums, like certain, the, the exact drums. Like I want a snare drum, I want a hi hat, and I want, you know, and they were like, what, what's, you know? So they got me a, a real kit, and I was too too short to sit down and play. So I used to stand up and play. Mm. And I started playing song, playing, you know, in the living room, practicing with my mother. She was teaching me all these, all the jazz standards, you mm. know. And at the time, you know, a lot of Duke, Duke Ellington songs and, uh, you know, some jazz, basically jazz. It was all jazz, some some rock and roll. I, when I saw, the more I listened to, to popular music on the radio, you know, I got familiar with, and then I, like I said, told you before, I used to watch Ed Sullivan every Sunday and saw the Beatles. And then, so that's, that was my rock thing, you know, Chuck Berry and Little Richard and James Brown and, you know, the, the Beatles, rock, Rolling Stones. One, one of my favorite bands from England uh, at that time too, they came, uh, uh, the, the Yardbirds. Yardbirds. Mm, yeah, Yardbirds. And that was a group that Eric, Eric Clapton Eric Clapton started in that band. He came from another band, but he joined that band. Actually, Jim, three three of the greatest rock guitarists 
that ever lived or right. came out of that band. Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, right. and Eric Clapton. Yes. You know? yes. But I was like, I was really, you know, floored, floored by, by them, you know. Uh, so then uh, what happened was how I got my break, and it's like, it's just like a classic Hollywood movie. My mother and father were, they were a duet, a husband and wife team. So my mom played piano, my dad played the cocktail drum and, with brushes and sang. He was a singer, but yeah. you know, but they played together and they, they were doing the top 40 songs then, you know, Nat and Cole songs, you know, whatever. whatever. Mm. So they, they, they got invited to play a private party uh, by, that was put on by this boxing, female boxing promoter. Hmm. She's a legend. Her name was Eileen, Eileen Eaton, and she was in L.A. She used to uh, promote the uh, boxing matches uh, at the L.A. Uh, the Olympic Auditorium. So she wanted to, she wanted, she was putting on a private party for this young boxer who just won the 1960 gold medal for America. Hmm. And his name uh, was Cassius Clay at the hey. time. <laughs> and many young youngins out there is he became Muhammad, the great Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Ali. So right. they took me to, the, they took me to this party, you know, it was a, you know, black tie, you know, and cocktails and hors d'oeuvres and all the whole, the whole nine, you know? Yeah. And my mother said, my mother asked my father, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, and he told her, we should take Jimmy, Jimmy along, you know, we should take Junior along and take the drums, you know? Yeah. And she said, what? So they took him anyway, you know. We, well, I went with them, and they set the drums up, and and they they took a break, you know. They took a pause, you know. And she asked him, like, "What are you gonna do now?" He says, "Well, he just said, just turn him loose, just let him, just let him go off, you know. <laughs> Play us the drum solo, you know." So you know, people are eating, you know, talking, you know, drinking, whatever. It's quiet all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, this Gene Krupa type solo is going on, and people like they drop their forks, they you know drop their glasses, and you know they were sitting far away. They heard this these drums, this these these rhythms coming, but they couldn't see. They heard where it was coming from, but they couldn't actually see the person playing. And they're like, "What the hell is going on?" They all stood up, you know. And they look, and they walked over to where the sound was, and they walked over, and it's this tiny little kid <laughs> playing this set of drums, and they like, oh, their mouths are like, uh, <laughs> wide open, like what the, you know. And then the, the funny thing was that the uh, Muhammad came, he came over, and I was doing it right in the middle of the solo, and he he came over and picked me up, and he looked at me and said. There's no way, kid. You're not going to steal the show from me. <laughs> but I was crying, you know, when he grabbed me because that, that was one of the things. I mean, every time my parents, my parents used to have to, the way to make me stop playing was that, you know, literally pick me up off, off the drums because I wouldn't stop. Yeah. So, so the great thing that happened was there was a guy there from uh, an executive from uh, Paramount Motion Pictures in Hollywood. Mm. And he walked up to my dad and said, you know, the classic Hollywood thing, you know, the here's my card, you know, call me in the morning, call me Monday morning, first thing Monday morning, you know. Yeah. And he said, all right. So, you know, he called and they said, look, we want to sign your son to a 26-week contract with Paramount Motion Pictures. Oh. TV, you know, you know, on TV, recordings, everything, a whole lot. 
And I signed that contract. And so that led me to getting the you know, uh, Jack Benny show. There was also, uh, you know, I got a manager at that time. And then I later on, I got an acting agent. agent. So for like four years, I was uh, on like the top TV shows uh, from 1962 to 66. Hmm. Uh, it was also uh, Art Linkletter show. Uh, Lawrence Welk show, uh, wow. uh, Jack Benny show, I've Got a Secret, hmm. Truth of Consequences, Gary Moore show, The Hollywood Palace show. And then that led to me getting an agent, acting agent. So they said, hey, maybe you can act. So they had me go out for commercials and film as a child, child actor. And my biggest film uh, that I appeared in, appeared in was uh, the American classic called Cool Hand Luke with the late great Paul Newman as a seven year old. And that's uh that's that that's that's taking a whole new there's a whole new generation that knows <laughs> about this now, which is amazing. Right. Um I think we just had our fiftieth anniversary uh maybe seven years ago, you know? Wow. So um that's yeah, nice. so that's what that's that's how it started. My career started. Wow, that that's pretty insane. Like you're you're right about the whole. Uh, oh, C Twitty is here. The the lady. Is she there? Yeah, she's here. She's <laughs> she, she's saying Nito. That, that hi C Twitty. Thank you for being here and uh, thank you for tell, for sure. Tell her uncle Uncle JBJ. Uncle JBJ says hello and she, she can hear you. She's watching. Oh, <laughs> hey Twitty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Hey, uh, little, little cuz. <laughs> C20, uh, uh, not uh, unbeknown, unbeknownst to her, put this together because we were just casually talking in one of these Twitch streams. And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I met the drummer for Crazy Town. And, and I was like, well, I'm going to go harass him and see if he'll be on my show. And I didn't mean to bring her name up, but you asked. And, and no, it's cool. I, I, I'm I felt, so happy. I'm glad it. I'm glad that she's, you know, she uh, popped in. Yeah, you know? me too. Thank you I so hope much. Somebody, I, I hope someone else pops in and surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going to happen yeah. on this thing, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, so so then before we keep going, I, I don't want to miss out on this, and maybe we can kind of incorporate it on the timeline here, but, but you, when we were kind of talking beforehand, you were talking about you had a story about Toledo, Ohio, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, wow, I think the last time that I remember, I mean, well, this is yeah, I remember the the exact. Uh, it was New Year's Eve in 1980. Okay. Now I have I have cousins, I have relatives, and my brother, my younger brother, lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay, yeah. By the way, so uh, uh, it was it was while I was on, you know, I was with Chuck Mangione from 1977. I joined him when I was 18 years old from 1977 to April 1981. I was with him for you know, four years. Yeah. But one, one in 1980, uh, you know, I was touring. I mean, those years I toured eight months a year, yeah. uh, you know, all year round. So I didn't get a chance to see, I mean, I would see most of my family members while I was on tour right. coming to whatever town and they would come see, Yeah. you know, uh, but I said, wow, I need this. My brother grew up in LA with me. Mm. He's a year, we're 16 months apart. And he, um, uh, he moved or he was sent to live with the, his, my father's sister at the time in um, Ann Arbor. Hmm. So he basically grew up uh, from a teenager to, you know, to an adult uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So hmm. this one, this one year, I said, you know what, I, I need to spend some time, you know, with my brother. Yeah. Because I would only see him a couple of times a year through touring. 
And I said, well, you know what? I think this might be cool. I said, you know what? I'm going to spend New Year's Eve with me. I'm going to come to Ann Arbor. And I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, I usually, my mother used to tell me, boy, you got a girl in every town. But I didn't have, you know, I don't understand what how this came about. I said, you know what? I got this crazy idea the last minute because, you know, he, he was really, uh, really, uh, uh, like, he was, like, what can you call it? Like, really crazy about limo, limousines, limousine cars. So I rented a limousine and drove. We drove to Toledo. <laughs> and we went to, uh, I think it was a Ramada Inn or something. Is there? There is a Ramada Inn here. Or yeah. And we, you know, I didn't even have, normally I have, you know, I have people all over America, all over the world now that I can, you know, I can go to town and kind of hang out, you know, if I want to. But uh, we went there and, um, we went, we went to the bar there and they had a little, they had a, because in those days I was really, I, I used to go out dancing a lot. Yeah. I love the discos and, you know, get funky, you know, yeah, do my thing. Not? So Meet some we went there, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> we went there, you know, we went there and it, it turned out to be, I mean, it, it turned out to be kind of boring actually. <laughs> well, that's Toledo. <laughs> I mean, but it was great, but it was great. Um, it was great being with my brother, you know. Of course, it was really great hanging with him, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you just you get you were like, we're gonna go to the big city to Toledo to party, and then it was just you guys <laughs> drinking by yourself at some crappy Ramada Inn, like, oh well, Happy New Year's. <laughs> but that, but do you right? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it's it's really crazy. I can't remember why. And like, usually when I would go to a town, at least I could call. You know, one of my girlfriend acquaintances, you know, and then they, you know, they would take me around the town, but we didn't have anybody uh, take us anywhere, you know. <laughs> I don't, you know. <laughs> I was like, we'll just check out Toledo, see how you that know, the so. first and last time that, <laughs> that was James, Toledo. Yeah, the first and last time that you came to Toledo, <laughs> which it's fine. First time, you know what? That wasn't Mike. That was not the first time. Uh, Oh. I actually came there. I played. I played there with Mangione. Oh, nice! I don't. I can't remember because at the at the time in the late seventies, we used to tour every major university in America. Mm. Uh, you know, we weren't playing the local theaters. We played the you know, every university, University of Michigan. Um, I don't. We didn't play Toledo University. I'm not. I can't remember if we did or not. Yeah. I think we. I think we may have played Ball Ball State. Is Ball State Ball State there? No. Uh no, no, no. That's it, it's 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 UT. That's in um, Indiana. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> University of Toledo. Yeah, University of Toledo and then Bowling Green University is nearby and uh and Bowling then, Green. Yeah, I don't know if it was Bowling. I would I would remember Bowling Green Bowling Green because there were it was uh, Bowling Green was famous for this um I'm a sports sports historian, and there was a famous uh, long distance runner that went there. Oh. It was, uh, I think he uh, back back in the late 70s, the 70s. There you go, BGSU. So, history there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well then, well, thank you for that. I I I just wanted to bring that up before I forgot because I, I remember we. Right on, right on. <laughs> but okay, so then, how did you? So what what talk about like your teen years because you are a very I mean like you were a very young young man when you went on the road with. Uh, with uh chuck and and so Benjamin, yeah. yeah how did you how did you what was that transition like what was your high school like what, what how many oh you... yeah I'll tell, yeah uh 
How was that? Well, when, you, when, I, when I was four years old, I used to go, I was going to a private private school, mm. you know, in the early 60s. Uh, and I actually skipped the first grade because of my, they put me, you know, I didn't, I never went to kinder, kindergarten or anything. They just they put me right in the first grade when I was four years old. Mm. And I was, it was a, a school in Hollywood called Hollywood, Hollywood Professional School. Uh, the most famous person that you know may know that went there, but that was many, many years after I went there. Is uh, you remember this um, cute singer named Paul, Paula Abdul? Of course. Yeah, Paula uh, Abdul graduated from there, and then there was a there was a 1960s gold medal winner winning skater female by the name of Peggy Fleming. She went there. Okay. Because there weren't any. I mean, there was probably two black kids in the whole school and I was one of them. So that's where I started. And then um, I transferred to a few schools in the South, South Central area. Okay. Uh, my junior high school, my junior high school was, was called, uh, the name of the junior high school was uh, Horace, Horace Mann Junior High School. Okay. And uh, there were quite, there were quite a few, uh, well, I mean, they, you know, all through school though, people, kids, all my friends, they knew, you know, who I was then, you know, because I was, they saw me in, in the, you know, in Cool Hand Luke, they saw me in these movies, they yeah. saw me, you know, and then I'd always play every, every talent show, you know, I was always playing with somebody, you know, live, you know. Right. And uh, at, at that school, we had um, a couple of uh, guys that I played, I met there, they were, I, when I was in the seventh grade, I had to be 13 years old, but they, they were like 15, 16. Uh, a couple of guys were members of the Horn Chicken from Rolls Royce. Oh, wow. Yeah. Looking at the car wash. Yeah. yeah. They got a few Yeah. Songs, those, were, those, were, those, were, those were like my, my older brothers and Kenny Copeland and the okay. trumpet player, lead trumpet player, Kenny Copeland and, and uh, Freddie, Freddie Dunn and and uh, Michael. You know, they, they were the Horn Chicken and nice. uh, they, they asked me to come. I was still in junior high school. I wasn't even enrolled in the school yet. So. <sighs> but they invited me to play a talent show, you know, and I wanted up playing there. And I said, Oh, this is a school I want to go to. And it, and it was crazy then because when, 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 you know, like when, when I was playing and being that young, it was like, I was like the Beatles, you know, it was mm -hmm. like, all you could hear was little girls like, ah! I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't hear myself play, but I was playing, you know, right through it anyway and right. doing what I do naturally. So it didn't, you know, but I just remember all these screams, <laughs> like, like nonstop, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and another guy, uh, I, he was, uh, I think he was maybe, I think he was ahead of me too. His, um, his name was, uh, Kenny, Kenny Nolan, and he is a producer on the, um, song um somebody's watching me um by rockwell hmm Wait, I, with, with michael jackson i always, I always feel like, like somebody's watching me okay yeah yeah so kenny it, you know he went there but he was kind of low-key he was like a hip like a young black hippie you know but i didn't even know he played anything because he never like approached me to jam or anything yeah. and my other thing was playing basketball you know <laughs> I was pretty good in English, okay in math, and girls. That's that was my thing. Playing basketball at lunchtime with the, with the fellas, you know. <laughs> and then we used to have these cool, like, cool ass like dance. Uh, we would have these dance, like dance not, not battles. A dance off. No, 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 not a dance off. It was like um, 
we used to call them sock hops or, you know, and they would play, they would play this, the R&B, like the, the hits then. And mm. we would like, they, like hang and dance for an hour. It was like so fun, man. We would get together and it was at lunch, like lunchtime. They, I think it's probably every Friday they would do it, you know, mm. like for an hour or so. And we would get, have like a dance hop, you know, we would we'd all dance, you know. Hey, hey so, man, those, being young and, days, and living life, you can't be mad at that. From the from my junior high school years, that's when I, I, I went to, you know, graduated on to high school. Mm. And my high school was Crenshaw High School um, mm. on the west side of town in South Central. And, and a lot of musicians, a lot of top R&B legends went there. Mm. Uh, the brothers, brothers Johnson went there and my bassist uh, with me with Chuck McDonough, Charles Meeks. I mean, we, you know, IT of, man, uh, the, 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 I think the, some members of the group called New Birth. Okay. They went there. Was, was this a, was this, yeah. I mean, cause South Central has a reputation obviously of being a rough neighborhood. Was the, was it a rough neighborhood when you were growing up? No, not really. I mean, it depends. Like I have to explain to you this. I lived, I lived out of the district, out of the county. I lived mm-hmm. in another county. Yeah. So I had, in order for me to go to Crenshaw, I had to use my auntie's address. Gotcha, but gotcha. where I lived, I lived seven miles east of the LAX. Okay. So the, I was on the borderline of Inglewood, gotcha, which is like gotcha. totally blown up now. Yeah. And uh, I haven't been there in twenty years, but they say, I mean, I yeah. I probably, well, no, like, it, I there's have a cold. Yeah, culture no. shock, you know. I no, like, yeah, man, yeah, it, they built it out down there. It's not. It's it's, yeah. it's probably not what you remember. It's. I mean, a lot, no, of, those, no, a lot I, of those neighborhoods. Uh, when you think about like South Central and Long Beach, and uh, you know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Uh, geez, I forgot what you even just said. But uh, but yeah, when you drive Inglewood. through Inglewood, yes, thank you, Inglewood. It's it's such or Compton even like there's they've sort of yeah. I heard I heard about that because I yeah, yeah. I talk to pe- people every day. Right. You know, back home in L.A. and you know all over the place. But yeah, I heard about that Compton too. And I like I remember like I was I was in I remember when Compton was was cool. <laughs> was was cool in, in the late in, in the well now late it is 60s. cool again. I, I hear it's cool. Yeah, but, it was, but even b- before yeah. you know before before NWA came out. Yeah, it's exactly. Band, yeah, the NWA content is different. <laughs> yeah, it was it was cool. No, before that, I remember before mm. that there. Wow. So it, I had an, wow, that's I interesting. Had, I had an uncle who lived there. You know, that's tough. So it was cool. As a matter of fact, I played I played at uh, Compton High School. I did concerts there when I was. Wasn't like, there like some know, famous there. jazz club in Compton? Like a. Uh, Maybe I got it wrong. I'm pretty sure I have that it could be, yeah, I, but I'm it, sure it, I have it wrong. Uh, well, not in necessarily in Compton, but it could it could have been. But I I remember doing a few talent shows there because mm. I played with I, you know I was I was a I was a teenager playing with grown grown ass men you know so <laughs> I, they had their group their R and B band and you know and actually one of the guys when I was going to that junior high school was was my teacher he was a teacher of mine <laughs> you know. Yeah. And he who, who also that da- he, he dabbled in a little soul singing, you know. Nice. So he said, "Oh, you know, they knew me. It's so we got to we got to have him on drums." You know, I was like ten years old, but I knew all the music then. Right. I mean, we were playing, you know, songs by the Chambers Brothers. We were playing, you know, James Brown songs, you know, yeah. and I I knew all these songs, you know. Yeah, man. Uh, then and I could play, you know. So they they t- they took me along. So you know, that was kind of my um, you know. Kind of, that was part of my upbringing at that time, and then I teeth. Yeah, actually sure. had a group. 
I actually had a group, and I, there's a song that I'm going to refer you to that you can check out. Actually, if you go to, if everybody goes to on YouTube and type in JBJ, James Bradley Jr. Drummer Archives, just click on that. Write that in and click on that, and you can see and hear all the music through my whole career from the time I, it opens up with the Jack Benny show. But if you keep scrolling down, and there's some stuff, uh, live concert, live footage from Stockholm, Sweden with me here in Stockholm too, that you can check out, you know? Uh, is it a playlist? Yeah. Is that what it is? It's a playlist. Yeah, it's a playlist. Yeah, it's, gotcha. it's a playlist. I'm going to drop in the and chat we're... for everybody right now so everybody can just click yeah. on. Oh, Raina already did it. Never mind. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mod. I appreciate it, Raina. Thank There's you. There's so all, much. you know, we're, we're, we're having a channel. I have, a, a, well, I have a channel that we have to upload it with the material, but there is a channel too. I think it's JBJ. JBJ James Bradley Jr. Okay. Uh, I think that on that on that uh, uh, on that uh, page, there's an interview with me and Shifty uh, from Crazy Time. We hadn't seen each other in tw twenty years until last year, and he, they, he came. They came over to Sweden. And he's he's the last remaining member of the band. So I, I produced this interview with him and I, and we talk about a lot of stuff that most of our fans uh, or, or even the new generation of crazy town fans mm. never knew about and, and it, it turned out to be a great and uh, exciting thing to do and i'm glad that i thought of it because well, uh, you know that you was know, a great i i love that interview because you guys were just casually talking and you know i was i was talking yeah. to my wife before the show and i was like you know the you know james has this like really interesting perspective as on a career basis because you've always been sort of able to walk in and sort of be uh, hired by these already established artists. But with Crazy mm -hmm. Town, you got a chance to sort of see like a ground level and be part of it, right? Because they had, they already had sort of, um, from what I understand, they had some heat around them and then they asked you to come in and then you guys just, yeah, but we, them. but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, uh, I, we we jumped the gun. I gotta get you get you up to there because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff in my life. Oh, I know. In my life I, I know. I know. But I'm I gonna tell you. I'm, I'm gonna explain to everybody about that. But you're talking. Sure. We're gonna get into that. To that. You know, so what happened? How that happened? But you know, we're we're still in high school. <laughs> we're still in high school. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> there was another. There was another band. Now, now I went to Crenshaw High School, uh, 73, mm -hmm. 74, and seventy five. I'm from the class of seventy five okay. from Crenshaw High School. Uh, the rock uh, Yakemia, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> during that, during my high school, uh, I became um, I joined the marching band at the mm. time. You know, when I was there, uh, and I was kind of, kind of, I became honorable. I, 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 we had a, we have, a, we had a band in the LA City School District called the uh, All, All City. Um, high school marching band it's like an all-star band of high schoolers drummers and brass mm. and the thing is we our big thing was marching in the rose bowl parade every year every new year's oh, nice. eve you know yeah so i wound up i wound up making it three years three years in a row there the first go. one was in 19 the first one was in 1973. um and then uh, my second year we changed musical directors i i had the this guy by the name of Wayne Horde, and he Wayne Wayne Horde, and he was you know white white uh, man from I don't know where he came from, but <laughs> but but the thing about the marching band that was so exciting, especially black marching bands, was 
the thing is you have to be able to play your instrument and dance, do the dance moves at the same time. Like real dancing. So we were stepping. Yes, we were stepping and moving and playing, you know, you got to hit your mark and turn and spin and, you know, whatever the, whatever the new dances were we were doing then to whatever wow. whatever the new songs were. And my second year, this man by the name of James Woodson came from Gary, Indiana, hometown of the Jacksons. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had, he, I became the teacher's pet, you know, I, he, I became the band president, drum captain, you know, <laughs> yeah. and he, he went to a black, black college, uh, but it's called uh, Tennessee state university. Mm. And, but my favorite band before I met him was another, another, uh, all black school called Grambling college, which is known as Grambling state. Now, mm. uh, they had some, uh, back in the 60s and 70s, they had a lot of, other athletes from the football team that went on to turn pro okay and they but they had an amazing marching band they were the, they were amazing they were they were the, the world's like fastest stepping band i wow. mean they could march like so fast and play at the same time right so i i they came to our school when i was in the 10th grade and did a performance you know yeah. so i was like now nah, guys that's what i want to do <laughs> i want to go you know and then then dr woodson came in and he like adopted me and you know because because I had the vision, you know, I said, hey, man, we because we were pretty good. My 10th, 10th in the 10th grade, we were OK. But in the deep south, south center, there was a band uh, from this high school called Locke High School. And they were like the baby grambling, grambling oh. of, of the West Coast oh, okay. in high school. And they were like and they had a lot of a lot of great musicians to come out of that that that, that school, you know, that, mm -hmm. that were like jazz superstars, Patrice Rushing and. Uh, the late great my brother uh, drummer uh, by the name of Indugu Leon Chancellor and they had like Gerald Albright and all these you know they had these cats so we became rivals because we were we, we were on the we were on the west side they were on the east side they were from Watts they were from the hood for real you know and they weren't they weren't they, they weren't struggling and jiving they weren't playing they put it down so that was our that was our you know, we I said, man, we got to be on our, on our SHI too. You know, these guys are these. Yeah, man. You know, we, we want to take them down. So yeah, they came so to play. Yeah, right. The second year, James uh, James uh, Woodson came in and he we just drilled the band and we got all new songs and all new steps, choreography, right. and we like you know my last two years we were we we came up you know. <laughs> uh, nice. So, so That's awesome. I found I actually found, I found time to record. I want to tell you about this. Well, it's on it's on my uh, playlist from YouTube. But when I was 15, we had a band called Starborn, and there's a song called "The Funky Piper." And if you listen to it and find it on there, I was 15 years old playing this song. We were like the Jacksons, kind of after the Jacksons, uh -huh. and we were we came along the same time as this group called the Silvers. Okay, and we were 15. And if you listen to the song, you you will say, "What?" I mean. It was a song called Funky, don't, it's called The Funky Piper, and it's about, it, it was, uh, the way we wrote it, it was like about, like, um, pusher man, like, pushing, pushing, pushing drugs on the street okay. to young people, okay. and, and that was in 1974, so that's what the song is about, and right. it's, it's like funky, and, you know, it's, it's a great song, and then there's another one we have on there, a ballad called What Does It Take, I mean, it's like a tearjerker, old school, like, R&B ballad, you know, yeah. But when you listen to it, it's like you can tell that the the, the, the singer is really young, you know. And, mm -hmm. But I playing the drums, and we we, we were self-contained, like you know. 
Right. You know. Oh like, no, that's Funky Nacho. Never mind. I was like, wait. Oh, that's that? that. That's from Stockholm. That that's that's the that's like a jazz fusion, a jazz. Uh, you know. Uh, I was Short I was looking I was looking for the video, but I'm not seeing it here. Um, you know, I was just gonna play it. In the you background. have to go down. There's so much. There's so much. You have to keep going. Down, I know down, you down. got it. Just it keeps going, bro. That's <laughs> awesome, though. I love it. It's like you just got so much. You can write. You can try writing in Star Starborn. Uh, Arb- my, my name James Bradley Jr. Maybe it'll come up. Maybe star. Wait, I just saw Star. Starborn. Superstition. No, that's definitely not it. Oh no, that's Silver. I saw silver. Uh, well, I can't find it, and I, I don't. You'll find it. I'll, 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 I'll look you up later. Okay, please do. I'm on your playlist, but I'm not finding it, and I don't want people just to yeah, sit here and watch no me look for stuff. Hey, Adam, welcome, welcome. You Thank you for being here, buddy. We're uh, just getting. I'm just trying to get you to the, my. Yeah. So we're at. Yeah. Okay. So I graduated from uh, from Central High School in 1975. I wanted to go. Now this is a, this is the the the, the uh, what do you call it? The trigger here. Uh, I was kind of undecided uh, my senior year in high school, like between going to going away from from LA and going to way down south to you know this college, Grambling or going to a black college that that, that had a uh, really good music program. Mm. And then I even looked at thought about like, wow, it would be cool if I could go to University of Michigan. I didn't have the grades <laughs> to go to University. You're of busy Michigan. chasing girls. That's why. Well, I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was a C plus, you know. Hey, C's get, C's get, C's get degrees, sir. In certain things, yeah, yeah, I was A plus in, in you know, certain things, right. English, music, and sports, of course, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, but overall, it was a C. I mean, hey. you know, so I didn't have the grades to go to it. I, I tried to apply, and they didn't accept me. But then, well, luckily, your career didn't depend on your grades, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got, I got like, I got like, I got a couple of offers from. Like I got an offer from Ball, Ball State University, actually. Mm-hmm. They sent me a letter, mm-hmm. you know, and there was a couple of schools from Indiana that sent me letters and all, oh, you know, fill this out, you know, come to the, you know, check us out. Mm-hmm. But then my father pulled me aside at the time and said, James, if you go away, if you leave LA, Hollywood, you won't be able to further your career as a musician or actor. And he said, I said, you know what, you're right. So I decided to go to a junior college in LA, uh, at this at this uh, junior college uh, by the name of El Camino mm. Junior College. Okay. And one of my dreams every day. At same time, I was uh, after after high school though. I met this guy uh, who since passed, uh, uh, another fantastic young musician and keyboardist by the name of Patrick Moulton. Now Patrick Moulton had had produced the second, the first Anita Baker album. He produced the first Anita Baker album. Oh no. Uh, that this was um, in 82 and actually they wanted me to play on it but I was on tour I was they, they couldn't find me or I just finished touring with Manjoni you know yeah. at the time but uh, but before that before he he got that opportunity we met while we were in high he was a year ahead of me we met jamming at a party and we were all like you know I was 16 15 16 years 16 years old at the time and we met at a party jamming and and he said, "Man, you sound, you know, you sound great, and you sound great. so. Let's, let's start a group. So, we put this band together. We got a couple other people in the band, and we were all same age, 17, 16. I think the oldest was eighteen. We had a band called Manu- Manufactured Funk, 
Mm-hmm. And there was a famous cl- famous club on the in the Crenshaw district at the time called the Total Experience. In that they had legend. I mean, they were um, they're totally legends now. Some of them aren't with us, but they had the top bands R and B acts playing there night nightly mm. from uh, Donnie Hathaway. Oh man. Uh, you know, the Harold Melvin, the Blue Notes with Teddy Pendergrass, uh, Rufus, the Shaka Khan, and, and Young, you know, watch like, when watch he was starting. So we, we became the house band for the club. Oh, so we nice. would open, we would open, we would open the shows for these artists, you yeah. know, like my heroes, like live, like, you know, there, yeah. you know, B.B. King, B.B. King, you watch know, out. Donnie Hathaway, and, you know, so we were doing that, and my parents like wow i mean they were saying like it's great that you're gigging but you know what are they paying you and we were getting like like 15 a show and my parents were in the they were in the musicians union you know yeah. they you know yeah. they said james you know junior you got to get in the union they they, they they're supposed to pay you more money than just 15 dollars you know yeah and I, and I said yeah what and she said yeah this is this is like these guys are like gangsters you know they're they're, they're like no good they're bad news yeah. So I stuck it out for a few months, and this was in uh, the fall of '75. Okay. Uh, and then I met uh, there was other drummers and other musicians with those people that I met that that saw me and they said, "Wow, you're you're amazing for your age," you know. And they remembered who I was. One of them was a drummer from New York City by the name of Dennis Davis, and he had just recorded with David Bowie at the time. And he mm. told me like, man, I'm going to be going on tour with David Bowie. You know, this was like 75. I was like, really? Yeah. So yeah. You know, cause, cause he had just, uh, Bowie had just come out with uh, fame. Yeah. fame. Fame. Yeah. He just What's come out, name? but What's he didn't, Dennis did not play the drums on that track, mm. but he, but, but David Bowie found him in Harlem in New York city, mm. along with several other young guys uh, at the time. Carlos Alomar, Luther Vandross was was in this group too. So he so he hired them. He found them in New York, in Harlem, yeah. and took them with him. Okay. So they joined him in 75, 76. You know, they went on tour and he, he wound up playing on several albums. So he was like my first big brother from like New York that I met. And he was like floored, you know, by by me. And he used to, he used to call me Powerhouse. He's like, <laughs> man, you're, so, you're so little and you you got all these chops, you can play all this, man. You're you know, yeah, man. So he was the first person that took my name to New York before yeah. I even got to New York. Okay. You know, so what happened? And I going back to this total experience. I quit the day I quit working at the total experience. I saw the assistant manager and I said, "Look, I I, I have to go. I'm I'm done. I'm done." You know, and he's like, "Oh, you know, it's a classic Hollywood movie. Oh, you're never gonna work again in this town. You're never gonna make it." You know, I said. Dude, you know, go have another beer. I'm out. You know, right, right, bye, right. bye, bye. You know? <laughs> exactly. And then uh, what happened? What happened there was then I started. Then I went back to my roots. Uh-huh. I started playing with uh, the local jazz artists in L.A. Okay. Uh, Patrice Russian, and then I hooked up with one of my heroes, uh, this guy who's still with us, by the name of piano player, by the name of uh, George Cables, and he was with Freddie Hubbard and. You know, he had his own group, you know, so he had, he said, come, you know, I, I want you with me, you know, and I started playing around town with him and, and then my name started getting out around town, LA and Hollywood, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mostly in the jazz, in the jazz circle, you know, and then, um, um, uh, 
my teacher, high school teacher, came back to me, called me one day in the summer of 1976. I was still going to junior college at the time. You know, I took a few courses. But my dream at that point, I was really, I said, now I know what I want to do. You know, I, I want to, you know, support, join a, a, an art, an artist, a major artist and go on tour. Yeah. That was my thing. Because at the time, there was this magazine called the Performance Magazine that I used to, I used to, every day after school, I would go up to Hollywood up on Sunset and, you know, Sunset Boulevard and Vine and, and go to this, uh, the, the newsstands, you know, the old new, the newsstands, which they don't probably have anymore. Mm. We used to go there and I used to like find this magazine called the Performance Magazine. In that magazine, dig this, they had all, all the touring bands in America at that time, Santana, you, anybody, you name it, Sonny and Cher, whoever was touring, whatever band, Aerosmith, you know, all the bands that were hot and touring, they published their, printed their, their touring schedules. Oh, nice. And it was like, really, I would go there and like read, oh, wow, they're in, they're in Dallas or they're in Toledo tonight. They're going to be, you know, and that, that, that like floor, I was like knocked out. I said, that's what I want to do. Right. So the opportunity came when my um, the first opportunity of me touring and getting my first professional tour came when my old band director after a year called me and said, look, now, while I was in high school, I met one of his old students and her name uh, is Denise Williams, soul singer. Okay. But at the time, she's from Gary, Indiana, like him, and he, he taught her in school. But at, at that time in the middle 70s, she was a background background singer, touring singer with Stevie Wonder. Oh, okay? right on. So I met her one time, and she remembered who I was. Well, she had just gotten signed to Columbia Records to do her first ever solo album, mm. produced by, by Urban and Fire drum, drummer Maurice White. All right. And they needed a band. She needed her own band to go on tour. So she kind of like shocked me. Uh, one day he, he, he came, he called me and said, hey, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go by Denise's manager's house in the Hollywood Hills, you know, in Laurel Canyon, which I wound up living later myself for a little while. Hey, and yeah. she said, you know, she, they just want you, she just wants you to come by and jam with her, you know, just have a casual jam. You know, I'm thinking, okay, whatever. You know, I go there and, and she, they asked, she asked me, do I have a bass player? Well, one of the, one of the guys I went to high school with, one of my best friends was a bass player. He was in the other band, um, Manufactured Funk, by mm -hmm. the name of Kenny Christian. So I said, I took my boy with me, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the musical director was a, a guy I had, I had worked with that got me the uh, uh, audition to be the training rehearsal drummer for the Quincy Jones Big Band. You know, all this was happening in 1976, wow. you know. And uh, Charles Mims, who was at that time the, uh, Patrice, Rush, Patrice Rushing's boyfriend, he was like a little, he was a Herbie Hancock, you know, then mm. type player, you know. Yeah, yeah. He was a little older than me, you know. But, but he was there and we had like a couple other, uh, we had two guitarists, you know, one of the guitarists I knew. And then we had this blonde surfer dude from like Santa Monica named John, John Hoisenstam. And, and, uh, would he play? He was bad at guitar. guitar. We had two guitar There's players. A, there's always but the he, white guy who's shredding on the guitar. <laughs> yeah. But, but he was, but he was really soulful. Though. Right, right, That's right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like you'll see, you'll see a group of like uh, of black dudes with the one white guitarist who's sitting right, there with long right. hair like shredding away it's, it, yeah it's just yeah, something that yeah. i've noticed it, it's it, but please continue yeah, yeah, but, but 
yeah, but it's, it's great. It's beautiful. I yeah, mean, no, I, I absolutely know. agree. I just, uh, it, it's just something that's funny, funny to me that I see sometimes, you know, where it's just like, it, like I saw Maxwell, you know, Maxwell, the soul singer, Maxwell. Yeah. yeah I saw him yeah. live and, and his whole band's black, but him and his partner is the guitarist is this bald white guy who's like out there shredding. I'm just like, I love that so much. That's what I love about music. And that's what I love about what music has done for, especially when it comes to like race relations, because music was like one of those things that kicked down the door with integration. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like it still is, but it it needs to, especially in America, you know, the young, that's what I'm encouraging what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, we all need to come together. You know, that's all we need to do. You know, and all this other BS we don't need. Who's ever hating, they can be on the other side. Yeah. No. And everybody, yeah. everybody, you know, and, and they and, and I'm, I'm gonna say T H E Y, they know they know this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Musical is the healing force of the universe, okay? It will always will be, okay. And there's a lot of you know, blood, sweat, and tears and struggle that we've all that the that the you know, artists that have gone through before us that have left you know the the gift here for us that have passed on we need to carry that on together you know yeah uh, absolutely I mean, we're, we're, in a, we're in a new age now but surprisingly and i predicted this i predicted this just uh, go off track here for a minute that um because I, I even over here you know i work with, work with a lot of young people here in sweden stockholm in sweden i, I work with you know too and uh I, I i said i predicted like years ago that hey you know Kids are gonna get tired of this, you know, this digital everything, you know, like, yeah. and they're calling, they're asking, you know, like a lot of the the, the greats are, are leaving now, leaving us now, you know, but yeah. there's still, you know, some of us here that 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 the need to and and are carrying carrying on a tradition and absolutely, you know, carrying on that and and, and they're really interested in doing this, you know, because yeah. a lot of a lot of my kids, a lot of kids, a lot of my kid, my kids and. A lot of students that that I've worked with, they 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 they're so enamored about by how it was when I came up. Yeah. They're connected to the seventies, you know, because I was a teenager teenager in the seventies in the boogie night years, so I knew about all that. <laughs> the boogie night, especially you know, coming. Oh yeah, I call it the boogie night years because that's when it became for me too. Hell yeah! That's, that's well, a, I was gonna ask you about subject. that. Yeah. Well, no, I was gonna. <laughs> well, I, I kind of want to talk about that because when I think about it, and you're you're a very young man, and and you get you know brought on to the chuck mangione and chuck you know he he had he was a star at the time and i mean still is a legend well we he became yeah we, oh, i mean after so, i joined him he, he went you know you gave him the, the jbj roles. bump that's what you did you gave him the yeah. jbj bump well, well it was actually then it was called the gel bait they used to call me gel bait Je- <laughs> that was my that was my nickname because of because i used to have the, all these young you know girlfriends of mine coming around you know and he said one day it was when we were actually doing the Feel So Good album, mm. and that this one one girl, this one girlfriend of mine, she, I had I was uh, eighteen and she was twenty one, uh. but she looked sixteen years old, you know. And he said, you know, you're gonna get us, you're gonna get us thrown in jail, <laughs> bringing all this gel bait around, and then that it stuck. He called me gel bait. <laughs> and now but you I, do. I, but we're gonna we're gonna get right to how I hooked up with Chuck. But well, I, I mean, after I, that. I, well, before yeah. we get too far from it, and I guess I could wait for us to get into it more, but I, I'm just curious. Well, let's wait, cause let's. Let, okay, tell us how you got in the chuck, because I'm just really curious about something. But we'll get there. So please continue. Okay. How did you get? How did Chuck find you? How so, did you find Chuck? 
Well, what happened was now I I went on my first tour before I got with Chuck Mangione. Got you. And it turned out like I was like I was explaining. I went to this. It wasn't even an audition with Denise Denise Williams. You yeah. know, it was a jam. She told me it was going to be a jam. But after we played a few numbers and she it it sounded great. She said, she said I said what's I said what's happening? She said you're hired. I said what? <laughs> yeah, you're going to go on tour. We're going to go on tour in two weeks. I'm like. I- I didn't know what? I applied. <laughs> she, she said, "She said, yeah, we're going to be opening. We're going to be opening up for the Ohio Players. Yeah, and we're going to Casey and the Sunshine Band, hey. and, and like uh, who else? We played uh, the Commodores, and that's when Lionel Richie was with the band before ah. he before he went solo. But and that Earth is the first fire. connection. Like, oh right my there. god! I just started. I didn't even. I, I mean, I almost started crying, but I was like, oh my god, you know." <laughs> and that's sure. what happened. I went on tour. I wanted. I wound up doing going on my first tour. Your first tour we was with was supporting. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, Denise, so, yeah, Denise were, Williams. Were you was, on a bus for that? Were you on a bus for that? No, planes, planes and hotels. Planes that was and my hotels. first experience. Planes and hotels. You know, beautiful, beautiful you know, first experience. My first, first experience with, uh, you know, room service as a. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, man. My first no. experience was like a, a small little shitty van with a bunch of dudes farting on each other. That your <laughs> your your experience sounds way awesomer than my experience. Yeah, well, oh, uh, no. but hey, it, uh, it, it, it got better. It got better because I, I, yeah. uh, what happened? Please, yeah, I, I wound up touring with her for two months. I think it was three months. I worked with her, and then she got rid of us. She, she fired. The particular that particular group, she wanted to get some other musicians, and, and oh. actually, the drummer that replaced me is was the legendary drummer uh, from Tower Power, Dave Garibaldi. Okay, Dave Garibaldi, and so, so I was a little heartbroken because that was my first experience in the business, you know. So, so it was your first experience. You know, it, it was your first experience for the tour, the, the high life, and yeah. then and then yeah. your first experience getting Playing cut. Shows. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. and then so that was crushing so, for so, you. Yeah, it was a little, yeah, it was, you know, but, you know, I had held my head up. I had other offers. I mean, before I actually turned down, uh, after she hired me, uh, we'll be back up three months into the summer of 1976. I got called by Carlos Santana to join his band. And I turned it down because, like, I felt that Denise was more family than me and I felt more secure with her. So I took that job. You know, I took that job. But after after we were let go, uh, that was like November of 1976, and then se- December the next month, I get a phone call from my big brother uh, Charles Meeks, the bassist with who became the bassist with Chuck Mangione, mm-hmm. and he had worked with uh, a, a fellow legendary uh, guitarist from um, jazz guitarist from Detroit by the name of Earl Cl- Earl Clue, you, you know mm-hmm. Earl Clue, okay. he was from Detroit, an okay. amazing. Uh, nice acoustic jazz i mean you should check him out yeah I mean, um listen to his music uh he's a legend detroit legend world jazz legend and he said hey man uh uh i i, re- I just recommended you to chuck mangione now at the time i was listening listening to two different channels you know radio stations every day one was this uh, this uh top well it wasn't really a, it was it wasn't really a top 40 radio station called the cute 102 but they played back in those days as a radio station now check this out they used to play now they used to preview albums because i remember the first gap band album i heard hmm. called magicians magicians holiday now they would play 
take each artist and play the single, whatever single they were promoting, but they would also play two other songs, album cuts mm. off each artist's album, which I thought was really cool. Because at the time you could you could hear samples of what was on the album too. Oh nice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that yeah. I used to go up to Tower, I used to go to Tower Records in Hollywood every day. And you know, when once I would go to the newsstand and buy the performance magazine, then I would run over to the I would run over to the record store, Tower Records, you know, and look and read the back of album covers, you know. And and they used to list all the musicians, you know, yeah, who played drums on what al every album. And that was like fired me up and and gave me like oh wow I mean this is my guy you know Steve Gadd or Harvey Mason on drums or this is what inspired me to do what I, I wanted to do you know yeah and then the Denise the Williams thing but then I I uh, Charles Meeks had recommended me for the audition with Chuck and he had he auditioned over thirty drummers and I was number twenty nine oh <laughs> yeah. so I, I auditioned with him. And I never will forget this day. I thought that, you know, I, I thought that I did okay. You know, he was really nice, cool. And, you know, hey, thanks, you know, thanks for coming. I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, oh, you know, I, I did I did all right. I'm right. thinking, okay, thank you so much, you know. I'll go out the door. Then, like, two weeks later, I get a phone call directly to my house. I was living at my mom, with my mom at the time, 18 years old. My Her and my, my mom, was, her and my dad had split, split mm-hmm. up at the time. And I get this phone call, you know, I'm buying albums, you know, and listening to the jazz radio station at that time. So I knew, I knew who Chuck was, mm-hmm. you know, because I, 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 I listened to his early music before I even played it, you know, yeah. and I knew who he was, right, right, you know. And then uh, he said, man, this is what he says to me. He goes, first thing he says is, Hey, hey, hey! You got a you got a winter coat? I said, "What? What you talking about? What you talking about, man?" <laughs> I mean, I live in, I live in L.A. There's no snow in Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, he knows this. You know, I'm like, yeah. so what are you talking about? He said, "Yeah, you're gonna be playing January 29th in you know 19, 1977. You know, the the day, my first day. You're gonna be playing with me on, on Long Island at the uh, Long Island." Uh, civic center or something you know oh. i'm like what <laughs> yeah he said i'm coming out i'm coming back to la because chuck is from rochester new york okay that's where chuck is from you know mm. and he said i'm coming back to la you know the label was in la a&m records it okay. was in la so he had to go back and forth quite a bit and he said man yeah i'm coming in two weeks i'm gonna send you all my albums you know you know by mail like a big stack of albums you know yeah. And some music you can you can you know learn the songs you know follow along whatever. And could you songs. read? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but are, are yeah, you a I reader? do. I, le- I learned how to read music for drumming uh, after I, when I turned five years old. Okay, actually. so so you had proper training and everything like that. Okay, cool. I please. had my I had, I had private instruction, but I didn't I didn't study. Um, I mean, I, I look back on it now. I, I would have liked to have gone to. A music conservatory, yeah. you know, but that's like Juilliard you know, or something. Well, yeah, maybe, but at <laughs> yeah. that time, I mean, it was I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking about that, yeah. you know, at all. <laughs> of course, yeah, fine. Anyways, I wanted, to, please... I wanted to resume my professional career because, I, I, you know, like I said, everyone was sixty as a child, and now the time I'm older now, now I got to establish myself again, you know, on 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 that level. So that's what it was about, right? Yeah. You know. But he uh, he said, "Yeah, I'm gonna come and we're gonna we're gonna rehearse." 
you know, for about a week. And I, I never will forget this because you know what? Why? Because he said for a whole week we're going to rehearse. Well, at that time, there was a famous TV series that came on for the first time in America. And guess what What? what, what, what the series that was? And it, went, it, it was like five days. Um, the Gong Show? No, that was on every day. <laughs> My bad. No, that this is when this is when they had the epic Roots came on the first time oh, Roots was wow, aired. Wow, wow, okay. And it was on every night for a whole week: Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Thursday, Friday. You had to, you had to get through all five days to get to the whole well, story. Well, now I feel bad for making a stupid joke. No, no, no. But you, you didn't know. I'm, I'm, I'm here to. I'm, I'm here to inform you and Please do. Please do. <laughs> Uncle JBJ. It's class. <laughs> Wild but sober. So we, you're yeah, gonna have to wait on that, buddy. <laughs> you have to come back for that melodica solo. Sorry, someone asked me to do a melodica solo, and I'm like, not right now. I'm oh. sorry, Wild but sober. <laughs> I'm not gonna do a melodica solo in front of Jay Bradley Jr. <laughs> we can we can get into that get into that later because I can drop another name on you that uh, might inspire you to play the melodica for me if you if you can get funky, you know. Oh, who is that? <laughs> if you got some soul. I mean, Billy I Preston, can, who, Oh, Billy uh, Preston's amazing. Okay. Hold on. He's like he's uh he's, he's he's like my fifth cousin, by the way. So. Oh well, that's fun. Here, here we'll do a quick melodica solo because only because James said uh, he made he said something about it. So. It's not gonna be very big. Um, Can you, there you go. That's can you it. play? Can you play superstitious? Can you play superstitious? And let me see if I remember. It's been. It's the been. Black keys. Black keys. Black keys. It's black keys. I know. E flat. E, I, I e do flat. it. <laughs> I always. I always play with guitarists, so it, they always. They always make it E. They just. They. They always shift it up to E because you know guitarists like the E. Right. And, exactly. Uh, and let's see if I can remember it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, no, I'm, I'm embarrassing myself, James. You're. Uh, yeah, you started. Okay. You started to play. Yeah, you I know. Play, uh, I, oh please. Was a fan. <laughs> I. Uh, I please, please. I'm embarrassed enough, James. <laughs> please don't make me. Yeah, yeah. Are you happy, Wild But Silver? Are you happy? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for those claps, guys. <laughs> we, we uh, checked, yeah, so so we, we we did the rehearsal for a week, and then we uh, then the next thing I know, uh, I think that Monday uh, we had the last rehearsal on the Friday, and then he said, "Well, I'm sending you a ticket Monday or something. You're flying, you're flying to New York, and then you're driving to Long Island." You know, <laughs> and that was the first. That was my first show with Chuck uh, with Charles Meeks on bass and Grant Geisman, um and uh, the Thank late grade, we just lost our brother, our our, our, our sax player. Just, he died uh, year before last. Chris oh. Vidala. He was amazing, oh. amazing player. And un Uncle Chucky on the Fender Rhodes and flugelhorn. <laughs> but that was four months. Now I took. Now we toured for four months, right? Uh, and uh, from January, February, March, April, nineteen seventy-seven, until April, we went in the studio for the first time with him. And that's where it feels so good. The album was born. Oh, that's man. where it feels so good happened. Which in I, LA. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then, and then, so after you guys released this album, that's because that's the album that really set Chuck Mangione over the edge, right? Like that put him in the spotlight. Oh, that yeah, that he crossed that we crossed over. Yeah, for three years. I mean, you know, he was on the mainstream. He went from jazz to straight up mainstream radio. With yeah, totally pop. Yeah, we we were we had. Feels a good single was uh, it was on the charts for three years, but I mean it's still it a was, jam. Uh, it's still seventy nine, seventy nine. We uh, we we were well, we went to number one on the jazz charts in like one week, <laughs> and right. we, we wanted and check this out. They weren't even playing feels so good. <laughs> they were playing whatever <laughs> we had. Uh, like there's a song called the Eleventh Commandment that features me on the drums, the solo drum solo. He, they were playing cuts off the album, and it just it just shot up to number one in like one or two weeks. Uh, and then uh, they released "Feels So Good," and, and, and then it worked it worked its way to the Billboard Pop Charts. Right. It was number two, the number two single to Saturday Night Saturday Night Fever. Number Travolta, Night Bee Gees, yeah. number number two. Travolta, number, number two. yeah, number two, and the, the Bee Gees. The Bee Gees. BGs. Sorry, I, I... <laughs> <Stay> <laughs> yeah, man. You know what's funny about that song is that's the song that they tell you to do the rhythm to when you're giving people CPR. It, you think of ha 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 ha, staying alive, staying alive, and you, while you're giving people CPR, you're pumping their chest to PGs. But uh, you know that's just a little side note. So you guys, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, I'm only assuming, but you guys are probably going from, you know, smaller places you're playing to bigger arenas, oh, yeah. and 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 then Definitely. you know, and then yeah. of course the attention and all the and then all the adulation that goes with it. And this is sort of where I was getting at earlier, as a young man, and you're facing, you know, like that kind of overwhelming attention because, I mean. That's that's a lot. You know, it's a lot for any human. I don't know if humans are meant to have that kind of attention, but we, we do it all the time. Uh, but our, what I'm what I'm curious about is when I think of myself as a young man and and uh, and where I was, I was a complete mess. And if I had the kind of success that you had at a young age, I know I'd just be off you know, spending on blow and hookers, whatever, all the stupid things that you could ever do. But I'm just curious, like, how did you handle that as a young man? Were you, were you straight and narrow to the, you know, I'm staying on the path? No, (laughs) he said no. Absolutely not. You named everything that I did. (laughs) He was like, it's the mid seventies, bitch. What do you think I was doing? Cocaine and hookers. I'll tell you. I'll brief. I'll briefly tell you. I didn't have to have hookers, but you know. I'm just joking. I, mean, I was just know. joking. That that's hookers no, always I'm, sound funny with blue. I'm, no, but I'm serious. I mean, it, you know. Oh, I know. Whatever you, you don't got, need to buy done, hookers you know when you're in the Chuck Mangione band. You got a number one hit song. I, I can know? tell you. I can tell you how it would happen. It would happen. Now, my thing was when, when, like, like you said in the beginning, we played some basketball basketball arenas at some colleges you know yeah but then we uh and we were playing mostly all the jazz uh clubs like the roxy in la or bottom line in new york you mm. know or like uh ivanhoe theater chicago but then we kind of graduated to like i mean chuck was playing really well to do places i mean we played everywhere except carnegie hall you know we played the lincoln center that's where i actually blew up because 
with him because um, there was a base, baseball writer for the New York Yankees, the late great Phil Pepe. And he wrote, he wrote about the concert, but he totally plugged me. And so, you know, my, my brother Dennis Davis, you know, bringing my name to New York and with everybody in New York reading this article, I mean, it's just like, that's where like everybody in New York knew, knew I wasn't. And, and it was really happening back then, you know, with great drummers playing there, you know, recording every day, Steve Gadd, Steve Jordan, you know, Chris Parker, Rick Morata, all these guys who were my my peers and heroes. But it was the classic, the classic JBJ, uh, excuse me, I wasn't called JBJ then, I was called Jailbait Bradley. <laughs> uh, the thing, I tell you, one of the coolest things, I think Chuck had learned this from I think Vinnie Goodman uh, or, or Dizzy Gillespie, because he was young when he met Dizzy. Wow. He would, after every show, they would he would sign autographs for the for the audience. Mm -hmm. So we would have these long lines, like in the in the theater, people waiting to get autographs. He would sign the, the album, and he he made sure that the whole band was sitting out there with him, signing all the albums together. Mm -hmm. So that was like it was more. It was more than just slim pickings for me because I was the youngest one in the band. You see hey, what I'm saying? Oh, I and there was a lot of young. I mean, we and the, thing, the cool, the beautiful thing, the cool thing is that we had we had our audience age, ages range range from 18 because of me, or you know, 18 to like 65 year old senior citizens, all at once. And because of Charles Meeks and I, it was a multiracial thing. I mean. We had, you know, black, black kids, everybody, you know, white, everybody together. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll just say right now, for four years in a row, we sold out every concert we played. And we, we toured, we were, we were touring as big, we didn't even play arenas. We played a few arenas on festivals, mm -hmm. but we, we didn't have to. We played our own self-contained, you know, Chuck would play every major theater in, in America. I mean, I, we play, I know we played in Toledo once, you know, but, yeah. but, but the thing is, my thing was signing the autographs and then there was, there's always young girls my age in the, in line lining up and you're just like oh hey what are you doing you know let's go to the disco right boom and from there it was on you know it was, <laughs> it was, you know, it was well, on you, i mean obviously you toured with chuck for years i mean was there a point in those times where you were getting a little out of hand and you had to be like took aside or did you always maintain a professionalism well there? i mean it was always professional but yeah toward the end there there was a few slip-ups you know but one of them, one of them wasn't because of the you know the blow or anything the partying yeah actually one was i overslept and missed, <laughs> well, missed one, one plane one plane in four years i, I missed you, you know, missed one plane able, ride because of cocaine but, yeah, but, and but, people but, are all mad but fortunately, fortunately for me i was able to to catch a plane you know that yeah. same day and get to the gig you know before you know i didn't for miss sure. the gig so for sure, for you sure. know but i mean it was uh it was around in the industry at the time uh, you know? oh yeah and uh, yeah totally i mean it kind of it kind of uh I wouldn't say yeah, casually started with my boss and, you know, every meeting, board meeting, every like meeting you go to, like the executives or lawyers or doctors or whoever they were on that level, <laughs> yeah. they had, you know, they had a little vibe. Hey, you want, you want a bump? Yeah. Here's a bump. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right. That's right. how it was, man. Yeah. You know? yeah. It was, so, it was known as know, the rich people I, drug. I, for like I told, I told you before, I, that's right. That's what my uncle told me. You know, like one of my play uncles told me. 
And you, you like that rich man stuff, you know. <laughs> and that rich but I mean, man. yeah, yeah, that's what it was at that time. That's what it was. So that's why I said the boogie night years, definitely, you know. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, toward uh, toward the end, I, I I was there to April '81, and I actually got a trust fund. Now, see, after I left, I got a trust fund three or four months later, which was very generous and a, a very um, what is that? A trust fund? Like like it, someone well, left yeah, you money? Yeah, I, in uncle, a trust? yeah. Yeah, Uncle Chucker had had left me a fund. I mean, he built it up when I joined the band. Oh so, wow! I mean, he took he took money out of my check and all of you, all all, all our checks actually, and put it away for all of us. You know. Oh like, no shit! And yeah. and then when you so left you, the band, you got a, a, like almost like a severance. Like three 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 months later, three months later, it came and uh-huh. then it was gone before the next year because the boogie night the boogie <laughs> nights were on real for real. <laughs> Like, cause you know, we're I look back baby. on that, you know, and it's like, you know what? Damn, if I if I had a just think about it, would invested in something then, yeah, and, you know. Yeah. But I mean, you know, like your your life is, um, you know, God has, you know, your plan and your 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 uh, when you say legacy, legacy, I wouldn't even say legacy, but your life is written, you know, has been written like. Two or three hundred, four, four thousands of years ago, really in pyramid, in the pyramid. So <laughs> yeah. we don't know. Just know that you know, you know, it's it's already written. So you know how you get back on track is um, you know hearing hearing the word, following your heart, mm-hmm. not your mind. You know, okay. and that's what happened to me. That's how how I got my life back. I mean, I was out there for seventeen years, and five exactly seventeen years and five months before. I came to the program of recovery that saved my life. You know, that saved my life. It was the best decision I ever made in my life. Absolutely. Amen. And now, you know, 25 years later, I'm able to talk to you and meet you. For sure. And share with you and everybody else. No, for sure, man. I'm forever forever grateful every day. You know, I wake up regardless if I have one, you know, dollar or like, you know, thousands of dollars, Mm -hmm. you know, which can happen at any time. Right. Yeah. You know, but it's not about the, you know, you 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 learn that you know, you just become grateful, humble. Humble. I mean, I was I've always been humble, mm. you know. But I got humbled, you know, by what I did, by what I've done, and, and it was it was most definitely like the best decision I ever made in my life. You know, when I decided decided to, uh, you know, uh, understand uh, God, God, understand God as I understand Him, uh, turn my life and care over to uh, God. My my high power, which I choose to call God, and now I'm saying it's a universal God. Hey, um, you know, I mean, it's like the best decision, and it's my life is is greater than ever. Uh, and when you when you when you do that, when you get your life back after you, um, like we say in the rooms, you know, get your ass kicked out there. Everything is amazing because everything you do is like so much better yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah. it's great it's amazing it's like like I, I got like a second what do you call it a second i wouldn't say a second win but when i you know there was there was there were people in the room saying oh look out now the, the, one of the best greatest drummers of all time just got clean and sober <laughs> look right. out yeah. because they thought they thought i was gonna die like in 95 that's, that's when i hit that's when I hit get rock bottom. Wow. They thought I was gonna die in Hollywood, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well. And the thing, the thing, the key to that was that that was word that was the word on the street and it got back to me. Oh you wow. know, because I was like I didn't want like close people, you know, 
that knew me. Only a few people knew that I was going through what I was going through. Right. And I thought I was fooling everybody, you know, but then the word got back to me through one of my best friends. And that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, oh my God, they know. Yeah, wow. They know now. And after I realized that, so I, that went was... to, uh, Andre, I went to Andre Crouch's church. He prayed for me. And then, you know what? That same day, I did a couple of lines of blow <laughs> after he prayed for me. Amen. You know, I'm like, okay. You know, but check, but check this out, though. Right. But check this out, though. What happened was, you know, the Lord was the Lord was setting me up to get to my my fellowship of people. Mm -hmm. I had to be where people where I could identify with people like me. Right. That was it. Yeah, man. And that's how you know I came for a full circle. So one day I did I did something. You know, I, I mean, it was it was a, the devil crack that brought me to my knees. But you know, I wanted doing doing a rock one day, and it didn't do anything for me. Right. I looked myself in the mirror and I said, "What What are you doing?" I, I, I then then I said, I realized, like, wait a minute, I, I, I I'm not even high. I don't feel this. Yeah. And that's when I knew I was ready. That's when I knew. Yeah. I was ready, and I called. I called my guy. I said, "Dude, pick me up and take me to a meeting." Yeah, and that's what happened. I ain't looked back since. I had to slip. I had to slip the first week, the first two weeks. I had fourteen days clean, mm. you know. And I threw myself into the book, and I was like going to meetings, three meetings a day, yeah. you know. Hell yeah! And then, uh, and then, uh, I, I had a, a genuine slip mm. where I slipped. You know, I had, went out. I was with partying with my lawyer and some other girl or whatever. And uh, after I did that line, man, I said, well, I got really angry at myself. Like, what did I do? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like panic and, and go crazy and like, you know, try to kill myself. Right. I was like really ups upset, angry. Like, yeah, disappointed. You know? You're disappointed. But I did call, but, but the thing is the key to what, what saved me was that I called, see, I had a really good con close contact with my sponsor mm. you know and he was so cool i mean when i met my I, I met my sponsor the second day of my meeting and it was like we were married it was like <laughs> i mean it was like a it was a it was like a spiritual thing and like i knew it was that guy you know i the particular guy that became my met my my um uh, my, my sponsor was him and i called him right after i did that before i said i'm gonna go to bed you know i didn't i didn't stay up all night and, and go crazy i just you know, I, I ate something, came down, called him, and he said, go to a meeting right. the next day and, and share about your experience. That's what he told me. Tell, tell them what, what happened. Right. And I went there to the meeting the next day, and it was, a, it was, a, it was an all-gay gay men's meeting. I said, I don't care what type of meeting it is. I'm going, yeah. you know. Yeah. I went there, and I testified. I testified and shared what happened, and they just stood up and just gave me love you know yeah and that's 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 what happened and i haven't looked back since yeah that's beautiful man i i, I love 25 that. 25 years 25 years later i just celebrated uh last month the end of last month congratulations man that shit's huge no uh I, I absolutely agree with you like the 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 best decision i ever made was was abstaining from alcohol uh, I, I'm stop. I stopped saying sober because I'm definitely not sober. I'm definitely a stoner. But I, I, I like. But alcohol and and heroin, uh, like that. Yeah. That was the th the you know those were the monkeys on the back that I was able right. to shake. And and yeah, dude. It, wow. When when you say 
when you say like you're looking when you're experiencing things through sober eyes and you're when you're saying like wow everything's so cool it's like you really do get your life back like you get to go remember these good times right like you get to remember the right. good times that you when you when you're partying yeah i'm having a good time but you don't remember what you did you made a fool of yourself you said something stupid you know whatever happened i don't know what you did but i mean it, it's just <laughs> but what what but i, I party and i still remember <laughs> well yeah i did some that, things yeah, me. I, I was bad. I was bad. I blacked out every time I drank, which is which is oh. so dangerous oh. and awful. Yeah, right. no. yeah. So I mean, it, it you really do. It really is just a new beginning. And like my life, I feel like my life started then because it was all leading up to me getting you know off of alcohol and and my music career started then too, which is very funny. You know, during these times that you were you you know using. Uh, were you still working professionally? I mean, I imagine you were, but like, um, but well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I had to. I had to. Well, see, after after Chuck Mangione, I I I I got off the road uh, from mm-hmm. ni- nineteen eighty two till eighty six mm-hmm. uh, when I joined the Baker. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, and then uh, you were just playing the, locally in in town. You just recorded. Well, no. The, 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 during that time, I was actually in the, in the studio, uh, co-writing and doing my own music with another another fellow uh, who's no longer with us and who was like one of my best friends, Donald Griffin, and his brother was uh, the, the lead singer for the Miracles. Uh, he took over Smokey Robinson's place. So, but he was into funk and rock. We were we were we were we were merging funk and rock way before Lemon Color or the Chili Peppers or anybody. You know, we were doing that. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so I was. They they taught me. I was my singing skills were coming out more. You know, I started singing. You know, and playing drums, and you know, I was really into like the second second invasion of uh, the British invasion, like with the, you know, uh, suffice to say, like you know, Duran Duran or the new wave stuff. You know, uh, yeah, all the bands that came over then. The you Cure know, that period. Yeah. Cure, well, not yeah. The Cure, I like I like that one the one album that they did, but, but <laughs> I was more into like you know level level forty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, let me see Bowie, Bowie of course, Bowie, Bowie Talking Heads. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, I was in so that so yeah. Th- those were those were my influences, yeah, you know, yeah. like our influences. But we 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 we, we merged it with funk with like mm. I mean, tank guitar and. I wish I had some of the reels now. I mean, yeah, should, you know, but. I was just thinking, it's like, is that a still around? I'd love to hear that. Hey, James, let yeah. me get some of these questions from the from the uh, okay. from the chat here because it's been twenty minutes yeah. since they dropped the question, I, and I feel yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's yeah, we, 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 what's one? I should have warned you. <laughs> it's all no, man. It's all good. You know what? I appreciate people who. who How much are, time do we have? Uh, well, we we are. I, I try to keep it around two hours, but I don't mind extending out. But but maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll jump a little ahead uh, on the timeline here, so we can kind of catch up to now. But um, so what was what's one moment you'll never forget, and are that uh, one moment that you won't forget, and that you cherish? Sorry. I, Oh wow! I know there's, there's probably a lot, a lot but I mean, um, what's what's me one? Live? Yeah, I mean, he didn't really specify wild and so, wild, but sober didn't really specify. So let's just keep it musically. What what's like a crowning achievement that you cherish still? Wow! Oh. Well, I mean, in '79 we 
and this this is on YouTube too, where we played the 1979 Grammy Awards. Oh, nice! I was with Chuck Mangione. We played "Feels So Good" live on TV, and we were we were the number two single in the world in in in, in the U.S. And we lost, we lost. We were in the final for the song of the year, and we lost to Billy Joel. Uh, <laughs> I love you just the way we, way you are. But that was a that was a memorable night to remember. It was an amazing Billy night. Joel. Actually, and then I can say the performance at the live at the Hollywood Bowl, mm. live at the Hollywood Bowl, Chuck Mangione, uh, twenty years old, playing at the Hollywood Bowl, sold out twenty thousand people. That was one of the most amazing performances ever, and it's crazy because now, I mean, every practically every day in like the last five, wow, the last ten years, I've been getting mail from people still talking about that performance. So wow. I think that was one. And that one was an movie. album that you guys released too, right? Like, I think that's a, isn't yeah. that the live it's album? Out. You guys... It's out. Yeah. Go uh, to Spotify and check it out. It's there. This yeah. is a, this is, this is another question from Wild But Sober. Uh, what's your favorite food? Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> Man, any, anything, let me tell you. That's now, sweet. Now I'm gonna give you. I'm, I'm gonna give you the bullshit version. Please, man. I love barbecue ribs and hog mold oh, okay. and hog hog butt. <laughs> now, I just, I just, I just told you a lie because <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a. Now I've since converted to vegan, but I've been a oh, ve- vegetarian for wow, 20 years. So that's vegetarian, veggie food, anything veggie. I'm there. Nice. You know. Yeah, man. I swore I, I, I stopped eating. You know when I. When I joined Chuck Mangione, when I first started touring, you know, before I was 21, I was 18, 19, 20, I used to eat, order room service and eat hamburgers, you know, <laughs> hamburgers and steaks and all that shit. And I got had a real, really bad experience one, one night with my sister and a girlfriend of hers at her house and where I got this abominable, abominable cramps and they, they were like bending over like cramps. Mm. I'm like, oh, my God. A few days later, I read this article, and I think it was in the Los Angeles Times. And they would, like, it was it was it was if God was talking to me, like He said, they had this article about the U.S. USFD, mm-hmm. you know, what you put in food, what the back, like what they put in the food. Yeah. And I read that, and I like got scared, totally scared. I it said, gross. no more hog, <laughs> yeah. no more hog, yeah. no more steaks, no more hamburger. And, wow. and that's when I was twenty-two. I swore it off since then. So wow. that's yeah. Wow, yeah. well, Wild but sober is 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 cheering because he is also vegetarian. His whole family's vegetarian, and and to be fair, he's he's from India, so he, I think there's a lot right. of vegetarian. I don't know why I even had to add that. That was so stupid. Anyway, he's <laughs> Indian, cool. so you know is he's it, is vegetarian. There any more? Is it? Is there any more? Questions? Um, n- there's no more questions from the chat, but I got plenty. You know, what? I I actually saw that you were friends with Corny Mims. Uh, do you know Corny? Oh, wow. Yeah, I know Corny. You know, I remember when he was out there. He remember when I was out there. And, uh, well, he's been on the show before. I, and, and, um, I, wow. I was, and, uh, do, do you know a Nissan Stewart too? You never played. Who? Nissan Stewart. Did, did he's a drummer. He was a, he played with, um, he, he was younger. He's much, he's not much younger, but he, he's. But who is he with? Uh, you know, know what? He he was producing with like he 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 started getting out of the drumming and started producing with uh Timberland and uh Missy Elliott and uh uh, uh, uh I mean just a gang a grip of people. So uh, I mean he uh 
I don't know. He he was just in the L.A. scene, so I was just curious. He's he's from a different generation than you, but I mean, I was. Yeah, just, but it doesn't mean anything. Right. No, no, you're, you're, right. you're right. You're right. You're right. All the young guys. I know all the young cats that are out there now. You know. Of course. Uh, and then and Bubby Lewis. Not. I've talked to Bubby Lewis, who's uh, who's he's from uh, Flint, but he he's not in L.A. Uh, but no, uh, yeah. do you did you work with Corny? Did you know Corny? Did you have experience? No, with I, I met Corny when he was coming up, but I I jammed with him. I think one night. Oh, okay. Had, I jammed with him. Yeah, I just saw that you you're know, friends I on Facebook. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, you know how Facebook works. You're friends with everybody, and you don't know. You don't even know these people. You're like, I got well, you have to. Yeah, yeah. But I know. You know, I indirect. Like I said, I, I remember jamming with him one mm. time, and you know, we we all know the same people. Yeah. You know, it's all it's all one, one big family, man. You know, we all. Um, because of con- yeah, other, you know? yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, I, they, that what's what I'm finding when I'm talking to you guys to, to the musicians who've been like in the business, it's actually mm-hmm. kind of a small group. I mean, it's huge, but it's kind of a small group of people who a lot of times you're you're know each other. And it's just it's just like how any scene is, I suppose. It's like you. Right. I mean, because you're operating on a on a on the top tier level. Right. And. And that it, on its own is a scene, right? Like that top tier level of playing is a scene of its own self because there's only a few yeah. people who are good enough to get there or at least lucky yeah. enough to get in that position. So, um, you know, I, whatever. I'm just saying stuff now. But mm-hmm. let's kind of jump ahead because I'd love to get into the Beastie Boys era here of your yeah. career. Uh, how did that come about? How did you get... Because, okay, first of all, you were on... You're on Check Your Head. You you played yeah. on the album, and um, yeah. And the first song on there is called Jimmy James. Is that a coincidence? Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, but but first of all, you're missing one of one of the most, as I say, America's famous bands that never really we didn't. Oh please! Well, I'm sorry. Cross over to the mainstream. Mary's Danish. Oh, okay. You ever hear about Mary's Danish? I have not. I see it's on your playlist. Mary's Danish, dude. Mary's Danish was a cross between the B52s and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, nice. We toured with the Chili Peppers. We toured with Stan Ridgeway, James Addiction. We were we were alternative oh, wow. rock. We, they they called us the alternative rock darlings. You need to pull out. Actually, there's a channel that our fans have put together for us on YouTube, Mary Stanish TV. We need to go on there and check it out. Oh, wait, Definitely. I can't play this. Song. I was going to play the song, okay. but I'll yeah. get pulled off of Twitch if I start yeah. playing copyrighted yeah. music. So, so I can't play that. But, uh, but okay, yeah. cool. Mary Stanish, man. See, I crossed over. But after yeah, you know, I went it's... on tour with Anita. I, I did the first tour with Anita Baker, uh-huh. which was a famous tour called the Rapture Tour. Okay. And you know, nice. Anita's from Detroit. You know, she yeah. she grew up in Detroit. She started in Detroit. And Gary Glenn, who's also a Detroiter, he long passed on. Uh, fantastic uh, singer writer. He wrote he wrote the song Rapture for Anita. He, okay. He's from the he grew up in Detroit. Uh, so I was with her for a year and a half, and then um, I went on to Jeffrey Jeffrey Osborne, not Ozzy Osborne. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffy is a soul crooner legend. Okay, with a band with a band in the middle seventies called LTD. Oh, okay, I know and, LTD. Uh, yeah, that's Jeffrey. Yeah, Jeffrey oh, okay, Osborne. But okay, he okay, he went solo. He he went solo. He, it's his uh, most famous, I think. I mean, worldwide song. He had two, but one is called "Baby Stay Stay with Me Tonight." Mm-hmm. Baby, stay with me tonight. Okay. That's, 
And actually, Brian May from Queen played the guitar solo on that song. You That's awesome. That is so cool. Some history, history here that, that, that everybody should know about. Yeah, of course. So Bibles with Jeffrey from 80, 88 to 80, the beginning of 89. And then I left. And then I, there was this band out of L.A., um, alternative rock band uh-huh. called Mary Stanish. And they were tearing it up in the, in the L.A. scene. Okay. And got a major write-up from uh, like a famous, this famous rock critic, legendary rock critic out of L.A., the L.A. Times called Robert Hil- Hilburn. But they just couldn't, they wouldn't sign them. And they were being played on this world famous like rock rock radio station called K-Rock. Yeah. You know about K-Rock? I do know about yeah. K-Rock. So K-Rock was playing, they, they put out a compilation. And this, this one song on there was called Don't Crash the Car Tonight, tonight <laughs> by Mary Stanish. <laughs> but they, it was like, it was kind of like, wow. I wouldn't say rockabilly, but it was a mixture of all this like new wave kind of swingy, funky, you know, kind of song mm-hmm. and two two female singers. Okay. And, you know, drums <clears throat> and two guitars, drums, bass. And that song was, was in rotation. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of interest from labels in, in uh, LA at that time in 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was signed to this management company at this, uh, you know, after I left, uh, after I left uh, Jeffrey Osborne, and they wanted me, you know, they wanted wanted to put me with uh, G- Gina Shock, who was a drummer from the Go Go's. Oh yeah. They wanted me to like co. She's a drummer too, but 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 I was, you know, like I said at, t- at that time, I started co-writing. I started co-writing with other people, so they put us together to write some songs for her, you know, <clears throat> and then. Uh, then they said, well, you know, I want you to tag along with us because, we're, you know, we want to sign this band called Mary Stanish. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll go, I'll go with you and scout, help scout the band. Yeah. They were playing at Valley College, Valley College, Valley College in the Valley, <laughs> outside, uh, over the hill in L.A. Yes. And I saw, man, I saw these kids. I'm like. Damn, they, they 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 got something, but they're missing something, you know. There's one thing <laughs> they're missing, JBJ. You know? And so, so I looked, I saw the bass player. He had his long hair, yeah, long hair. And man, he was he was thumbing the bass. He was like a young flea, you know. I'm topping the bass. I'm like, I, you know what I said, you know. I said, excuse me. You said, you know what I said. I looked at him and I said. I'm gonna take that kid with the long hair, whacking the shit out of the bass, and I'm gonna take him and form my own band. That's the first thing I thought. I, <laughs> I, said, I need you. him on bass. He's all I need. You're, you're, know, you're trying to poach. Out, you know. That's tight. You're out there trying to poach so other places. I went out. Of, I went out of town. I had I had a makeup day with Jeffrey. I went out of town. I came back and I, I ran to the. I went to the office. I said. It went, uh, are they playing? You know, when I had my time off, that's when I used to party and do my thing, you know, hey. or, or you know, go see band, other band to play. Yeah, they together yeah, playing tonight. I said, I'm there, I'm there. So I went there, saw them again. I said, I really like this band, but you know, it's, it's I mean, and then every time I see any band and I'm not, I'm watching the band, I'm like, what would I do? If I was playing the drums, playing their music with them, I always put myself in that situation. It doesn't matter who it is. Right. I've always done that. Well, then a few days later, I'm sitting at home with my mom watching the Lakers game or something. Yeah. 
I get a phone call from my manager and he said, James, it's an emergency. You need to get to this rehearsal studio right now. The drummer they had, they uh, she she left. She had replaced the, the drum, the original drummer that played on the record. They got rid of him. Then they got another drummer, but she wanted to play. She wanted to be a jazz drummer. She wanted. She said she thought that the music was too, like it was too uh, soft for her, you know. Mm. But they said, hey, they have a they have a live radio performance at seven a.m. in the morning with K Rock. I'm like, oh my god. She said, can you? Can, they said, can you go there now? I said, yeah. So the fact that I scouted the band, I scouted the band and I listened to the songs. Mm. So it was easy for me to catch on right away. I oh, didn't wow. have to hear nothing. I didn't have to read any music or anything. Mm. I knew what they needed. So, you know, I came with it. You know, yeah. I came exactly with it. And it just took it over the top. We played it next morning. It was seven in the, six in the morning. We were on the radio station live, you know, in, out in uh, Hermosa Beach. Mm. At the Red Red Onion restaurant, and 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 there was this famous DJ from K Rock by the name of James Poor 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 Man Poor Man. They called him the Poor Man, and it was his favorite band. So we played a thirty minute set live on the radio at seven in the morning. And after the after the after the performance, the girls singers, the girls that came over to me, the band huddle, we got in a huddle, and they said, "Well, what do you think, James?" You know, JBJ. That's when they started calling me JBJ. <laughs> and I said, "What do you think? Will you, will you? Are you? Would you like playing with us?" And I said, "Yeah." And they're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. And that's what started Mary Stanish. Mary Stanish for four years. We were the media darlings uh, of rock alternative, and we. Uh, I mean, Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, we were in all the magazines. Wow. But we didn't like. You know, we didn't like sell out, and we were very, very. The girls wrote lyrics we were very pro-choice at the time mm-hmm. we got this we got all the students from the mid-year universities at the time because that was you know al gore bush era yeah we got all the kids to go out and vote we encouraged we, 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 we were one of the first bands that started rock the vote actually. oh nice right on. yeah so we were involved we were heavily involved in these types of things you know that's awesome uh, yeah lots so, of political yeah. stuff I mean, behind. You, and so what what ended yeah. up happening with mary's danish because you know i've never heard of mary's danish and and you know i'm sure a lot of people haven't obviously you guys didn't go main mainstream uh what what ended up happening what what do you think was the the well the we, cause we, of we signed we, we signed a con- yeah there's a couple of things uh like you need to hear the music but the thing is we were very eclectic uh-huh. you know Right. So we didn't really write like um, hit like a hit signing yeah, song. Yeah, I feel you. We had a few. Our third album, our third album is the best album. That's the one that I recommended you listen to. Our last album, which was done in '93. What's it called? 92. What's the last album? Is American Standard? Yeah, American Standard. Check yeah. that album out. That was our last album, okay. and then we broke up after that. We split up in three. We split up into three different bands at the time. Okay. You know, yeah. uh, that's. What that was, I think I know that was our best album. But but don't crash. Uh, I mean, it was amazing how it all came together. Um, you know, we so after so after we did that when I when, we, when I played that radio show, we got booked at the club club lingerie, and that that took, uh, was a famous club in Hollywood on Sunset Strip, mm. which later signed another famous group that came out of there. They got signed after us. By the name of Rage Against the Machine. Hey, hey, watch okay? out! Okay, yeah. So the thing, the thing is, management company got got a hold of. There was a couple of three or four labels that wanted. They said, now that they, I got in the band, you know, 
And most of the guys that were at the at the labels at the time were, were a little older than me, but they remembered me from my Mangelian days and they knew who I was. Oh, cool. You know? Yeah. They said, J, 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 JBJ is in the band now. Hmm. You know, like, we, we need to go check these guys, check them out now. Yeah, you know, yeah, see how yeah. these out now. <laughs> so they went down there, man. We, they came in a couple of Ray. We played one show and then we signed a contract literally, literally after the show. Wow. There was a guy there, a guy there, like that chameleon, chameleon records, which was a subsidiary of Capitol Records. Gotcha. They had signed John, Johnny Hooker. They, there was a couple of other bands, uh, uh, alternative bands they signed before mm. Johnny, they signed Johnny Hooker. They signed, uh, the drummer, uh, drummer from, uh, uh, not Deep Purple from Ozzy. Uh, Black Sabbath. Um, Bill Bill Ward Bill Ward, the famous drummer from Black Sabbath. Okay. He went solo, oh, so okay. they signed him, and they signed Mary Spanish. Okay. So after they signed us, then we we got our first tour. We were touring with Stan with Dre, and then the second tour we went on was the Mother's Milk tour. Oh wow! Red Hot Red Hot Chili Peppers. We did the first leg of that tour. What is that? But we that's not it. your first encounter with Anthony Kiedis, right? Because I think I remember hearing no, the story. No, it, it wasn't. Yeah, no, it can wasn't. You, it, can it, you man, run that story? story? Another. That's another story in itself. Because now we go back several years when I was twenty-one. Yeah. Um. My 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 Jewish brother had a store in Beverly Hills, right? Mm. And every time I off tour, I would go to the store and hang out. He had a picture picture frame store, you know? Okay. And we had we had clients like Demi Moore and all these people would come by, you know? Yeah. So one day I I, I had my I had my beamer, my souped up beamer, you know, brown and gold gold tires of you know yeah. tinted windows, you know, coming off yes, tour, yeah. you know. Hey. And I walk I I walk in the park I parked my car and I go in and kick it with him, you know, we might have smoked some of this something. I walk out of the car, and there's these there's, there's these two kids on bicycles. They had to be like 10, 11, 12 years old, you know. And one had long hair, and I'm like, it's like so cute. I said, what's up? You know, what you guys doing? You know, oh, we like your car. You got a nice, you got a, you know, you know, you got a, you know, beautiful car, man. You know, how'd you get it? What do you do? And he's like, ask all these questions, you know. I'm saying, yeah, well, yeah, I'm a drummer. I'm on tour with this jazz guy, Chuck Mangione, you know. And I just said something just told, touched my heart and said, you know, you guys want to go for hot dogs? You want to have hot dogs? Because yeah. there was a there was a diner around the corner where you could drive up. It wasn't Bob's Big Boy, but you could drive up, you know, and put they put the tray on your you know the window, you know, and you yeah. can you can order you know hot dogs, hamburgers, whatever. So I said, hey. I'll meet me around the corner. I'm gonna drive around the corner to this this place, and and I'll buy you guys hot dogs. So I did that. Talked to the kids, you know, and we bought them hot dogs. And that was in like '79, '79 or '80, dude. This is like nine, ten, nine years later. <laughs> you know, when I went now, the day I went, we we I already know, you know, we had just finished touring with Stan Stan Ridgeway, you know. And uh, we came back home and we were going to do the fall tour. So, you know, you already know what you're going to do. You know, you're going to meet the meet where the bus is parked, and then you're going to drive. The first day was in the red redwoods up up in up in San Francisco, past San Francisco. Yes, but it's with the chili, chili peppers, right? Mm -hmm. I think we played one. I think we no, we had played before that because we then they then they said, oh, we're going to have you on the tour. We played. Mm -hmm. 
I think it was a gig in LA. Okay. But when I went to sound check that, that day, this kid kid walks up to me and I'm like, Hey, what's up? He's like, Yeah, like my bass player, Wag, and he's amazing. Wag Wag, Chris Wagner, we mm -hmm. call him Wag. He introduced me to this kid, black hair, you know. He's like, Okay, well, this is a man, he said, JBJ, this kid, you know, he's you know, this kid over here says he knows you. I said, Oh yeah. He walks up, you know, and this is Lewis. He said, he said, Hey Lewis, what's up? Hey, it's JBJ. And he's like, yo, do you remember like one day there was these two little kids that came up to you? They they and you you bought them hot dogs. Yeah. I said, and I like backed up and I said, Yeah, my eyes got wide. I'm like, Yeah, who was that? That's me. And that singer up there, this kid, Anthony Kiedis, you bought hot dogs for us when we were 12 years old. That is I almost funny. fell out. I'm like, what? <laughs> and those guys Ball were world. huge you at the time, know. right? I mean, at you that time. Know, man. You never know. Yeah, you right? don't. You don't. Especially in a city like Los Angeles. It's like, you yeah. just don't know who you're running to. You don't know who people are going to become. <laughs> It's like you hear stories of, yeah. of, of executives abusing, uh, you know, the interns who end up being their boss one day because they end up rising right. to the ranks and they're more talented or whatever right. it is. And so, so there's always this sort of rule. Or, or somebody, yeah, somebody you bullied in high yeah. school, you know, yeah. especially growing up there. Yeah. You know, you never know. I mean, you, you could know. be, you know, the next week they're like a, a star in a movie. You know, they're, they're <laughs> like, you know, they blew up. I mean, I've, I've seen that quite a bit growing up in LA. So, so then Mary's uh, uh, Mary's Danish then uh, what ended up ending that? What was the the final nail? Well, what happened? Yeah, we were with Chameleon and then our contract went out after 3 years, so uh we wanted to we didn't even want to re renegotiate with them. We wanted to go to a bigger label because mm. it was only a independent label. Right. So we wanted to go to something bigger. <clears throat> and we had a few offers. Mm. So, you know, so during that period, you get wine and dine, you know, you meet producers that you want to work with, you know, they take you out to dinner, you know, blah, blah, you know, you meet the, you know, the, the, the what they do is like, they invite the whole band, like the uh, labels will invite the, the band over to get the A&R offices like they used to do. And, you know, they lay, lay it all out for you, you know, whatever you want here, they take you in the, they take you in the room and, and you can, you can like, get like go into the library and pick out any cd you want like that was ever made you know like you could just get a grab bag and like you know so they got to smooth smooth you you know they they you know it, you know so it's it's fun you know because you can play you know you can play them all you know like oh we're gonna go to capital then we're gonna go to like warner brothers then we're gonna go to you know <laughs> yeah. universal and yeah, that's, let's get and all the free what? shit son. Yeah, right oh yeah and that's exactly did we played them up? Yeah, hey, hey, hey. So yeah. we decided. Now, what happened was there was an executive from EMI, and this guy named Jim Jim Maza. He signed. He was responsible for signing David Bowie there, no. and the Red, Red Hot Chili Peppers when they did their first album. He signed them, but he left, and another executive from A and M, I think David Kirschenbaum, he left, and they got somebody else. Uh, Jimmy Ivey or somebody, mm. but I think he started his own thing, you know, when he went that direction. Yeah. So we, they, they had a label and then there was some rich guy, rich mogul, like Gamal Gube, this rich old man mm. from Washington, D.C. called uh, Jim Robinson. And I forgot what he used to own, but he was a, he, he was, well, he was a billionaire now, but 
he wanted to get into the music. He wanted to have a label, you know, he wanted to invest in the music industry. So he started this company called Morgan Creek Records. Okay. Morgan Creek was a movie company, hmm. an independent movie, movie company okay. before, but he wanted to start this. So we signed, they gave us all this money to sign with them, you know. Nice. And the money was great, but the, what happened was they didn't have the field marshals, the field, the field, uh, what do you call it, the, the field marshals. They didn't have uh, uh, the the proper promotion crew. Okay. You know, to you know, in those days, you had to you know promote the album. You know, right. in the stores, you had to you had to pay to get the so what do you call it, the flats, yeah. the album, the flats in front of in the window. Ah, I see. So yeah. they had they had all this money, but they were investing it investing it wrong and into, into the wrong things. Gotcha. What we needed most was the promotion. So we you know that that. It was good for the company, so I think he just probably did it for this a, a damn write-off or something. Eventually, yeah, yeah. I could see that. I can and see then that. we we changed manic management companies. Oh. Is this where time too? And then um, Peter Asher, Peter Asher, okay. and he. He uh, was responsible for the careers of James Taylor and Linda Ronstadt. Gotcha. And Johnny Mitchell, Johnny Mitchell later on, and you know he had um, what was it? I can't remember what the other band was an alternative band now. But he signed us, and he's high. You know, he's he's like British royalty. You know. Okay. You know, and we went with him, and so he, you know, he got us on Tonight Show, and you know, we he got like. Uh, you know, Jan Jan Winner Winner from Rolling Stone to you know yeah. hang with us and audition us and he put us in a lot of good places, high places for a band of that type. You know, right, right. And got us on tours and you know, I mean, we were we were challenged every time because at that time we were offered to go on the first very first Lollapalooza tour. Oh, nice, nice. But sponsored by well created by my my, my boy. My brother Perry Perry Farrell, Farrell from Ch James Addiction. Yes. But we elected that like the man, their management company came to us, the band, because we were doing shows with them too, like ninety two, ninety three. Mm. They say, Hey, you come with us, you know, you come with us, we get you on the first Lollapalooza tour. I wish we had done that, you know, but because the first one they had, you know, uh, I mean they had uh Pearl Jam and you know, when they were hot, you know, right, Pearl yeah. Jam. Living color, you know, uh, body count, ice tea, uh, you know, all 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 the bands that were hot there, and they they put this festival together. You know, I want to be in a guest. I didn't play, mm -hmm. but I was a VIP. There I got a chance to hang go. out with my friends. You know, yeah. cheer them on. But we we went with Peter Asher, and that's what we you know we we, uh, we kind of like kind of stepped up as far as uh, you know the level of of uh, business. You know, because he was really well, well respected and he could he could get us indoors that most of those other bands couldn't get into is you know to be seen you know up here you know up on that level you know yeah but um so what we, ended up uh, being the actual end of the band they didn't like i said they didn't the thing the actual downfall was that the record companies uh, the record company killed it for it because they didn't they didn't push 
and they were saying, well, we didn't have a hit record to, you know, to promote. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, at that very same time in 93 was the birth birth of uh, Seattle grunge rock. Right, right. So that it really big with David Geffen and Nirvana. That's what happened. Right. You know, and then the Soundgarden came and Pearl Jam. So that kind of knocked us, you know, that, 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 they, they were the front runners at the time. Mm. So yeah. after that, we, you know, the girls really didn't want to, we didn't want to sell out in that way. Mm. You know, we could have written a song like a pop song and crossed over and, you know, we didn't want to, we, we, we were really like really true to us, really true to ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, we were true to ourselves and, uh, you know, that, that's what happened. Uh, that's but what then happens. after we, we, we broke together in, um, we broke up in 90, April 93. And mm-hmm. what happened after that was that we split split up into three different bands. And I want to tell you about another album that I played on with another group. I co-led I a band. Uh, one, of the, one of the guitar players from Mary Stanish, uh, David King. Wag played bass on the album, myself. And the ex, ex-guitar uh, roadie, tech guitar tech for for the chili peppers at the time he was with them for several years from the beginning a dude by the name of robbie allen okay he was a very fine guitarist and he, he could sing and play you know and he had some original songs so the three of us got together me and david and wag and robbie and said hey let's form this band let's form a new band and we called it rob rule Okay. And Rob Robbie Allen, Rob Rule. But the reason why we got that name is that Robbie Robbie used to um like at that time Lenny Kravitz came out and that's another story too. He's family to me too. I, I haven't gone into that part of it, but he had the song, you know, his first hit was Let Love Rule. Mm-hmm. You got to let love rule. Yeah. But one day Robbie was like messing around and he said, You got to let Rob rule. <laughs> And, and so y'all are like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. So that so we said that's the name of the band, Rob yeah. Rule. <laughs> hey James. So I, what happened? Oh please, go ahead. Yeah. No, what happened I, was we audition we, we auditioned. Mm-hmm. No, the same thing happened. We got a gig at that club, Club Lingerie. Okay. And we played one gig and the, one of the uh, the A&R guy was there from Mercury Records, and he signed us. Right, he, he said, "You guys got the contract." Bam! Wow. We played a show, we kicked ass, and it was like it was over from there. So, holy shit! Like, how do you? It's so interesting how you're <laughs> just in the right places at the right time. I mean, being in LA helps, but yeah. like, and having right. talent helps. But it, I also feel like you've had like, do you? How much do you? How much do you attribute to luck? to your career do you do you feel like you're lucky or do you feel like this is something that you've definitely earned that that i mean i'm not saying you haven't earned it but i'm i'm saying that there's definitely people who are are, are great musicians who go to la who never who will never get out and never are able to go you know th- those are things that happen and and so uh, you know, right. when you hear from people who are successful they're like you know I, it was luck but i had the talent to back it up as well uh, so, in which, right. so I, I'm just asking, I'm just curious, how much do you think that's a tribute to luck? Because you just seem to be in the right places at the right it's, time it's, a it's, lot. It's, yeah, it's a tribute. Well, the main thing is, you know, it's a tribute. Like I said, told you before, about our lives are pre-written. Yeah. You know? Oh, okay. Destiny. 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 Yeah. You believe so in destiny? You know, I was born with the talent. Yeah. I was born with the talent. Spiritual. Yeah. yeah. 
but yeah, you have to be in the right, you have to be in the right place at the right time. But also it's who you know, and it's the bridges that you don't burn. Hmm. It's the relationships you have with people. Right. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. like right now, hey, you know, I'm gonna be like at the retirement age in about three or four years, okay? And I look back on my whole life and career, it's like, well, wow, it's like, I mean, and a lot of those things that happened, I pre it was kind of predetermined. I dream, 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 dreamt a lot of those things, like meeting certain people. It's yeah. the people that I thought about and vibe with, like anybody that I know. I know a lot of it, legends and people that I work that I know. I never worked with them before, but I met them while I was coming up too. Yeah, and they they took a liking to me. Like, for example, the, the late great Rick James. Rick James. Mm. I met Rick James. I met Rick James on the Dick Clark show. We were doing the uh, 1979 New Year's Eve special. And that's with Chuck Mangione. Yeah, with Chuck Mangione. Yeah. And like, I can I can tell you, this is what happened. I mean, I remember when his first album came out, and he had this song called "You and I." You and I. You and I. Bum 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 bum. You and I. That was his first hit. But remember that remember that, that station I told you about, uh, Q one oh two where they played like singles off the album? Yes. I heard the single, they had Mary Jane, Mary Mary Jane on there too. Yeah. But I heard that song and I, the first time I heard it, that was his first single, You and I. And I'm like, damn, this is kinda cool, you know? Yeah. I was with Manjoni off tour, but I, but I heard it on the radio when I was off tour and I'm like, wouldn't you know it? Five months later, I'm meeting, I'm on the same stage with Rick James on TV. And I don't know, I didn't know how this how he was gonna react when he met me, but he just he saw me play in soundcheck and he like he like, oh my god, he went nuts. He like, dude, he like he just embraced me. He like, man, he told his drummer, I want you to play like James, like him, just like him, you know. So that's how we became friends. And he he's always, I mean, he had some, you know, we say troubles later on and off off stage or whatever later on, but but every time I saw him, he was like family to me. He, you know, he, he like genuinely, genuinely loved me. So yeah. we were like, we were cool like that, you know? So, but it, but it was somebody I thought about before, like even Chuck Mangione and like his best, his kind of brother he grew up with, the, 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 uh, the great uh, legendary drummer, Steve Gadd. I mean, I was listening to Steve before Steve Gadd on drums playing on all, all on everything, you know, he was, on CTI records, he was playing, you know, Van McCoy, every 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 artist. He was like one of like the top session drummer in New York City. Hey, hey, or Harvey Mason. James, I'm LA. so sorry yeah. to interrupt you, man. Uh, uh, Twitty's taking off, so or she's she's falling asleep. It's 5 a.m. for her, so or or probably. No, we need it. We need it. Yeah. No, no, she it, she's she she's. How many hours? Oh, we're we're tell two her, in. Tell, we're two in. Tell her I tell her I love her. Be safe. God bless. Tell she, her I love her, and hopefully I'll get to see her soon. She could hear you, man. So you just told her. So right. she's just told. Hey, man. Right. Just because we are, I want, I want her. I want to introduce her to somebody one day that I know that like she she reminds me of one of my fam fam members. I'm not gonna call. I'm not gonna say his name because I don't want to cause a, a riot on the phone on the podcast. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I don't tell, know. Tell, tell her, is she there still? Yeah, she's about to take off. She can. She's laughing at what you just okay. said. Send yeah, tell her hey, send send me a message on Messenger, and then I'll tell you secretly who it is. Okay. There you go. Bye, baby. See, 
C twenty, yeah, get up in the DMs and he'll let you know. Um, because because we are kind of going long here. I, I can. Uh, do you mind if we kind of skip around a little more? Because I'd love to talk about the Beastie Boys and and of course Crazy. Yeah, Town. you want to get to the Beastie Boys? Uh, well, I mean, I like that. I'm, uh, I'm a fan. Wait, please. I'm sorry. No, we're, no. we're at the Beastie Boys now because okay. this is what happened. I can I can go right into it because. Please. Wag. Now, what happened was I lived in Little Canyon, too, like twice in my life. In 1981, I lived in Little Canyon. And in um, 1990, mm. 91, I, I lived there for three, four years, okay? Across the street from where I lived on Wonderland Avenue, mm. right across the street from there is an elementary school, you know? Okay. And at the time I was living there, way up the hill there, Johnny Depp was living there. Oh. Down my, my down the street neighbor was Christina Alpha Gage, who was doing, you know, uh, married <laughs> with children. Yeah, yeah, she was doing it then, so she was young. She was dating. She was dating Anthony Kiedis at the time too. Oh, and around the corner was was at uh, was Ad Rock. You know, a couple of the a couple of the Beastie Boys lived around. Mm. But every Saturday morning, we used to all go to the school, then we went to school and play bat, play hoops. Oh, cool. You know, so I would meet, we would meet there and we would like get on two on two, you know, and then like a lot of people would come by. Flea would come over and play, Flea, you know, we would all play ball, you know, like, I mean, they were pretty good. We're all, you know, I, I'm, you know, we're all good. Yeah. So what now the crazy thing about this, going back to what I just told you about me, me sitting, putting out the vibe and connecting that way with the people I love, I mean, enjoy. Now, at that time, I was listening um to uh Paul's boutique. Mm-hmm. Remember the Paul and I thought that album was great. Yeah. This was after you got a fight, you know, for your right. right. Yeah. They made a lot of money on that. They, they were living in, in, in Brooklyn and living in New York and then they all moved out to LA. Mm-hmm. You know, because they 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 blew up. You know? Yeah, why wouldn't you? It's sunny and nice. <laughs> so a couple of times, you know, we we got together and played ball. So one day, one Saturday morning I go out there and we played, you know, we played a match, you know, I took, I think Mike D was on my team or, and Ad Rock, Ad, Ad Rock and I kind of hit it off, you know, mm. and I, I, I think Wag, my, my bass player from Mary's Danish, he introduced me to, um, to Mike D mm-hmm. and, uh, because they went back to him and told him, yeah, we met this, we met your drummer, we played basketball with him, <laughs> you know, uh. And you think he would want to play on our record, you know? Yeah. And he said, he said, yeah. So one Saturday morning, I went, I went there to go play ball. And then after the match, they come up to me like, yo, I mean, we're doing, we're getting ready to do an album. I said, yeah. He said, we want you to play percussion on our album. I'm like, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, come, you know, we want you, we want you on our album. I said, yeah. I said, you're damn right. Absolutely. <laughs> Hell yeah. So that's how. That's how I got in. And then at the same time, I became Mike D's private drums teacher, actually. Oh. I, I taught him. Yeah. I was teaching him on the drums. So, you know, wow. he, I, he took like three or four lessons from me, you know. Yeah. And we started doing, we, we did the record, man. It was so cool because they had a place in Atwater, which is uh, toward Griffin, Griffith Park, you know. It's a little town. And they had their own, like, it was a really cool loft that they had. You know, you go in there. They had a recording studio, a big hardwood floor, and then they had a skate ramp, a wooden skate ramp. Right? Of and, course. And you know what else they? Had? And you know what else they had? A basketball oh. court too. Like all, 
And then a stage, they had the stage with the drums and keyboards and everything, oh, nice. you know, like set up and, you know, and they yeah. had the, everything was set up, you know. And I, I, I never will forget this. I remember playing, you know, like the, the last song on the album or on that album was called, you know, Namaste. Namaste. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with uh, my late dear brother, Adam Young. Yeah. You know, he, he wrote that. You know. So how, how that happened was, we, again, we're playing a two-on-two -two match, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, you know, I used to hang. I used to hang with Ad Rock because he liked to smoke. Man, we had a little do doobie or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I we finished playing. I just, I took a part, you know, break, took a puff, whatever. And then, you know, keyboard money, Mark, their keyboardist, uh -huh. he was on my team. So he, like, we're sitting there, right after after our game, you know, just trying to chill. He walks over to the keyboard by himself. He walks over there. And he starts playing this riff. You can hear it on, when you listen to the song. You hear it all came together. He walks over to the, to the keyboard and starts playing. He starts playing his groove, and like I'm like, I, I turn around, I, I hear it. I'm like, damn! I just like walked over there, like some force just took me to the drums, you yeah, know? Yeah. Just, just walked over there, and I sat down and started playing his groove. Mm -hmm. And then, one by one, we all walked in. The, we all walked over there. You know, Adrock he grabbed the guitar, and Yon grabbed the bass, and we had that's how that's how that song was written. Wow. And all the other songs, all the other songs, I played on seven songs, uh, Pow and uh, Jimmy Jam, I thought was written about me, you know, but yeah, yeah. it's it's a ref it's reference to, I think it may be partly, but it was a reference to Jimi Hendrix. Oh, okay. You know, about Jimmy, Jimmy Hendrix, but there were some things in there that, that it was, you know, kind of like they, they had thrown me in there a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. too. It was about Jimmy Jimmy Hendrix when he played with the Curtis King, you know. Oh, so cool, that's cool. the main, main main reference, you know. I, but it was great. I, I, yeah. No, go, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I I, I just I played. Oh, oh, I played on like I said, seven songs. Mm -hmm. If you have the well, if you have the CD, I don't know what it says on Trident. What's the uh, Trident? Uh, see, that's the thing I that, that I missed too about. Um, album coverage you know like yes. on spotify but you know they don't i mean they don't list the musicians they right. shouldn't have a thing but i think it's on try on jay-z's company they have it uh oh other? uh death jam try no tribal the, the other the other spotify um, oh, oh 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 um golly what is try, that try, called try, try, title 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 on title i they they list they do this who plays on the album? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's I, cool. You know, that's cool. Yeah, and actually, actually, I'm gonna switch over. You know, Spotify was started here. And, yeah. Oh yeah, in Stockholm. Sweden. That's we, right. That's yeah. right. You guys, you guys brought I'm, us the you know, the Spotify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, but yeah. So, uh, yeah, I played on seven songs. But if 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 anybody ha out there has the CD, you will see the credits on there, and they wrote on the on the credits, James Bradley Jr. plays all that. <laughs> And they list all the numbers, like seven I, songs, you know. I didn't and know. everything I played. Because I played a lot of Latin percussion on ah, the other record. I, I played Kungas, Bongo, you know, I played oh. tim, you know, Timbale, Timbalitos. Timbalito. Timbalitos. You know, yeah, hell yeah. Timbalitos. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, yeah. yeah. That's but but you also <laughs> toured with them as well, didn't you? Didn't you do a little yeah. touring with them? I toured I toured it, yeah, in ninety two. Now I was still with Mary Danish, remember? I'm still mm -hmm. with Mary Danish, but 
uh, we had done uh, a tour. No, I was no, yeah, we had. We, our tour was going to start in July of '92, in the summer of '92 in America. Uh-huh. So I had a whole month off. I was off for the whole month of June in 1992 in the summer. So they said, "Hey, you know, their guy could, wasn't able to go. They had the Latin percussionist. He wasn't able to go." So they said, "JB, come come tour." You know, so I toured Europe. My second time in Europe was with them. I, I toured in '92, the summer '92. Right. The, the the ironic thing was that we never we didn't even come to Scandinavia then so we never we didn't come to Sweden yeah. at that time so yeah. that's so, cool man how were those it was guys a great, it was what, a great tour. how what whoa I mean like when you look back in those times with those guys like how do you how do you see them what like what how were they what were their personalities like I mean I mean they seem like cool dudes they and were, they seem like you guys got along great but I mean what what was your yeah they 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 were just that they were really low key you mm-hmm. know. Very low key, laid back. No. I mean, they could be a little bit funny sometimes. I, they, they, I think, I think they, they, during the wildest times was probably during you know the first album. They were yeah. really like out of control then. <laughs> but they matured a lot. They matured, yeah. you know. Well, a they lot, started playing know? instruments too, right? Like they're playing yeah, their right. own instruments but, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were playing before that. Before right. actually, what happened? How how it was told to me was, by them was that, you know, they they started off as a punk rock band yeah before they became rappers right right that's what happened and this was this this concept for the check your head hell album was right up my alley because they knew they knew what roots i came from mm-hmm. you know and they were kind of they, they were kind of like their favorite band uh they were kind of a model of the funky meters the meters from new orleans yeah, you know, yeah. the meters oh yes the meters. that's what that's where they draw that was their inspiration you see, yeah they oh be, okay yeah because they, they, they even did that instrumental album around check your head right. too and that yeah. it was all yeah. like funky meter type stuff and money mark was right. the the organist on that yeah yeah money mark yeah, yeah he kills yeah. He's, a, he's a murder man assassin well that's he's awesome man yeah. I, I love yeah. that so and then uh, i know i'm sure you have stories for days but just in the for the sake of time uh, do you mind going into how you sort of started linking up with uh, uh, Crazy Town? Because, you know, that was another... And and was there any significant... In between Beastie Boys and, and uh, Crazy Town, was, was there uh, a, a significant uh, a group that you were playing with that uh, before okay. you went into Crazy Town? Well, I'll tell you what, exa- what exactly happened was like, I mean, so this, I toured with them in the summer of 92, okay? Mm-hmm. And, but then I went back to New Mary Stanish, you know, in the fall, because we had tours and stuff to do. We broke up in 93, we started the group Rob Rule. I, I was like, you know, I was in the band Rob Rule. Right. And that band was together for only like two years. We were together in 94, 93 to 95, you know. You know. But we we toured with remember the group from Seattle called Candle Candle Box Candle yes. Box yes I yeah. do yeah so yes. we were touring Rob Rule was touring with them we toured with them nice and we did we did some good shows you know we toured all, all just just in America mm-hmm. uh, then uh, we broke up in '95 and at the end like the, the fall of '95 uh, well, we got released from our contract but we would we were about to do our second album which I thought was really cool. But I was like I yeah, like I told you before, I was like 
really, really smoked out right. at that time. But right. I'm showing up for my, you know, showing up for my gigs and showing up for sessions and playing, playing my heart with, you know, my whatever heart, my my heart and soul into it. Right. But but our last, uh, the second producer, the guy that produced our second album, it was uh, Garth. You know, you know who that guy was Garth. The guy that, you know, he, wait, yeah. Garth. Garth was a producer. Garth was a, the dude that produced the first Rage Against the Machine album. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. So we hired him to do our second album, and then they put it on the shelf. They, they they dropped us after that. They didn't release it. I'm still still trying to get to that. And like uh, they call it the uh, not the master, but the uh, what was those little discs we used to have? Uh, they put it on disc. Uh, records, CDs. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Hard discs. I'm still trying to get it right now, but we tried to. I'm still trying to get them because I, there were some great songs on there. It, yeah. They didn't even. They didn't even. They didn't even press it at all. Yeah. They didn't press it. Well, that's a bummer. But so then, then I went into yeah. Then uh, that was like like the fall, right before the fall of 95. And, and then that's when I went into, you know, I, I uh, joined the program, you know, at that yeah, point. Yeah, man, you got your, your uh, so then, it, so then that producer is who linked you to Crazy Town? And, and like, oh. well, what happened was like, in 96, well, actually, in my first nine months clean and sober, mm. um, I went to a jam one night in L.A. at the old, old at the Big Potato, and uh, I saw my old friend, Teddy Zigzag, and I tell you, he was a, the organist with Guns N' Roses. Oh, nice. But I knew him, check this out, I knew him uh, 15 years before that, because I used to sit in with his band when I was on tour, and me and my old, my old buddy, Donald Griffin, we used to go to all the Red Onions and, and jam with the bands house bands you know yeah chase girls or whatever <laughs> and he he said hey man how you doing i haven't seen you in like you know 10 years yeah i'm, I'm here so he said come back come back come back because you know i want you to meet somebody so I, I went like the next tuesday and there's this guy with a top hat on and this hair with over his eyes and i was like that's slash yeah so he said yeah so you know we we jamming. We were, I was jamming with them. They they, they come over and, and he started asking everybody, "Who's that? Who's that dude, man? I want to, I want to play with him, you know." Yeah. That's JBJ. So I'm, I went out. But I, I knew him when he started, but I didn't really I didn't hang with Guns N' Roses. But I remembered them when they started in Hollywood. But they were on tour all the time. But then I remember. Then he called me over to the you know table and said, "Hey, man, sit down, talking and." Um, he said, "Next time, next time uh, I go, when I go up, when I go, up, I want you to, I want you up on drums with me, you know. <laughs> I want you to play with me." I said, "Cool, my my, you know, my pleasure, brother. You know, I've been yeah. waiting to meet you a long time. You know? <laughs> You're slash, so bro. We up, sure. We, we went up there, we went up there and played, and then afterwards, he says, "What are you doing?" I said, "Dude, I just got, you know, I told him I just got clean and sober, blah blah blah. I'm not playing with anybody now, you know." Um, this was like 90, 90, yeah, 96. So he said, 
Well, you know, I was off the road for a year. I was going to meetings 24-7. I was going to four meetings a day, every single day. Mm. In the Hollywood group, you know, my home group was in Hollywood, you know, and then I transferred over to the Valley, Studio City. I was going to meetings. That's all I did, right. you know, go to meetings and maybe, you know, you know, I was recording on the side like I did before. And, and then uh, he said, yeah, well, man, you know, Marshall Guitars wants to sponsor me Sponsor. They want me to play the Budapest in hun- Hungary. The Budapest. They want. To, they want me to kick off the Budapest Rock Fest. And I'm like, oh wow, oh, yeah. Cool. That. that was oh, George wow, Harrison too. thing. Was that the George Harrison thing? No, no, no. But, no, it was. It was some. Um, you know, at this time, Slash had just left Guns N' Roses too. Oh wow. He had just left Guns N' Roses, so he was. You know, he, was he, that, he doesn't like new. sitting. He he doesn't like sitting around. He's a yeah. he's a big fan of the blues. You know, he loves the blues. Well, obviously, the way so he that plays. was our that was our gimmick when we we played all the blues songs, all the Muddy Waters and yeah. you know Freddie King and man, we we, we put this all star band together. You know, yeah. Teddy Zigzag was on organ, me on drums and background vocal. You know, this kid Bobby Bobby neck neck on guitar. And we had uh, we had a kid from Sweden actually on bass. Johnny, Johnny G, Johnny Graparik, you know, and he had just come, he just moved from Sweden. And I, and I had played with him locally before that, so I already knew him, you know, we had another thing going, you know, he was, he was a part of. Right. And uh, so we, like, I like, we played the Budapest Rock Fest in Hungary, flew over and, and did the show, and and it was so great. We rehearsed before we left, we rehearsed one day before, and we put this show together, like, like cover cover like blues classics you know because uh i didn't know this slash was such a big blues fan you know he was playing muddy rock waters and you know we did all like all the all the great blues classics you know and we we threw in we threw in my mama said you know from lenny kravitz you know he he played on that for lenny with lenny you know so he threw that song in and we, we used to end we used to end our show with uh um uh, uh the bob dylan song uh it was uh knock 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 knocking on heaven's door we used to always end the show with that you know yeah oh why not i mean give them what they want yeah, but, the fans wanted that but, right the thing the thing the thing is he would always he would it was it was so great it was a fun band you know yeah he just wanted to do it for fun you know and he would give me a solo you know everybody would walk up stage i would do my thing you know that's tight oh like, yeah we would kill it and then uh so so when we were on the plane back to America, I said, dude, bro, we need to keep this going. I said to him, you know, I was in his ear all the time. He would always sit with me and we'd always talk, you know. Yeah. You know, and I was saying, man, we need to keep this going. Let's see if we can keep this going. So we wound up putting like a 10-day tour together. Oh, the, cool. the name of the band was called was called Slash's Blues Ball. Nice. That, that blues ball. <laughs> yeah. And we, there, there, there's a clip on YouTube. If you write in uh, "slashes blues ball '96" at New York City, you will see us playing with with the late great Les Paul. Ooh. Les Paul jammed with us in New York. You know, blues. you know the the Les Paul. Yeah, he came the, up on stage and played with us. The, yeah, that's yeah. that's dope. The the, the guy behind the yeah. guitar. Uh, right. That's tight. So yeah, yeah, that's that's on YouTube. So. 
Yeah, I, check it out. I was checking this out. Um, so okay, then let's uh let's get into Crazy Town, and then uh I I want to talk about you know your time after Crazy Town because you've had a career after that as well. But uh, you know what? How did you get linked up with those guys, and how did that you know how did that play out? I I saw so I I actually love that interview that you did with uh, Shifty. Uh, Shifty because it definitely um, it definitely um. You know, it sounds like you Clar- guys were clarified some things. <laughs> well, yeah, and plus, like, it was it was really interesting to sort of see him reflect on it and be like, "Oh man, I was out of my mind." And then, because you guys were talking about getting a, a sober bus and getting a party right. bus, and, and and I was talking to my wife, I was like, "What a waste of money!" But like, but but then when you think about it, you'd lose more money if Shifty doesn't show up to the gig or if he dies, right? So so if he right, doesn't, exactly. you're gonna lose more money if the gig doesn't happen. It's not a waste. It's not a waste. Hey, it was it was what what was needed. It's not a waste. Of I'm money. sorry. I shouldn't have said that. that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm I mean, sorry. I apologize. But some some people I, who don't. Yeah, but 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 you I understand like where you're coming from when you say. I mean, I'm, I'm just. I'm thinking about budgets, man. I'm thinking about budgets and money. You know what I'm saying? Shit, because the rock industry used. Yes. Yeah. A regular person wouldn't know that though. They would say of the course. same. Oh, what a waste of money! They would say the same thing. But it was right. what was needed, and I and it was because of me. Yeah. Because I demanded that. Right. I demanded to my management, our management company, that yo, this is what we need. Yeah. Because they were worried. They were concerned too. Yeah. There was a lot on the line. You know, is, is he gonna make it? Right. You know, because what happened was the tour before that we got kicked off because he 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 had a crack. He cracked out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That was sad. That was crazy. We got kicked off by Sharon Osbourne, and so we we came back from. <laughs> oh, that. was that Ozfest? Well, I'm I'm not even getting waved. See, I'm, I'm I don't went ahead, but let me tell you how I got with Crazy this time. The thing sure. happened. What happened was after the Slash thing, you know, uh, I, I played with them. You know, they some they got somebody else. I, I, I mean, I well, I did the ten shows, and then another came, another drummer came in and re- replaced me. Hmm. And the thing is, too, like I'm gonna t- tell this to you because you, well, you're partly sober. But the thing is, when you when you you have to imagine this too, like when you're in the industry and they and you and you get your reputation, they know you for so long as what you were when you party. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Then when you then when you let that life go, then they, you know, some of those people they don't even like want you. They don't even call you. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want you with them because they they're still out there. They're yeah. still getting effed up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So cool. they don't want like. So that's what kind of happened with me and Slash. Ah, uh, yeah. I was the only one sober in the back. You know. That's tough, man. And it wasn't. It, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. Yeah. I mean, he's my bro now. We right. we, we we hooked up like. 10 times since I've been here in Sweden. Every time he comes here, I'm with him. So, that's awesome. You know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, no, but I, that's, but that's, that's, that's the thing. Some guys, if you know, they won't even have you in a band or you can't play with certain artists if you don't, if you ain't getting high. Yeah. If you're if not you're partying not, with us. Yeah. And we're not even talking about the sex thing because I'm all, all three. You know, I'm <laughs> love, sex, love, drug, and sex addict. Hey, know? man. It, <laughs> so it, it we're all not, goes yeah, together. not there yet. So, yeah. You know, if you're not doing that, then you're not, you know, you're not welcome to be in our, in our clique yeah. of crowd. And, and you know you what? Know? That happens on a small scale, too. I mean, I've had that just my personal self where you have your friends it's, like, come on, man. Well, you just lose one night. We're just going to part. Oh, whatever. And then they stop calling you and you become the boring guy. And and, and that's right. fine. I'm fi- I'm a father. I'm married. I don't give a shit about that life anymore. 
It's like yeah. I, I, I am so happy with just being clear headed, but but I know exactly what you're saying on you know on a on a on a civilian scale. But I mean, I can but imagine. That's on a, but, but 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 that's on a, on the, on the, on that level too. Of course, it it's, is on that level. That no, seriously, a lot of people don't realize that shit. Yeah, it, man. Well, that's it, how you get pulled back in, and and that's why they say it's like you gotta take an assessment of who you're hanging out with, right? Like that's part of oh, it. Yeah. It's like you need to take a self-assessment of who's who you're surrounding yourself with because that definitely influences on who you are. And if you're hanging around a bunch of fucking crackheads, uh, guess what? If you if you're addicted to crack. You're probably gonna smoke fucking crack. I mean, like I was trying to quit right. heroin, and I was my all my roommates were in their room fucking shooting, boosting, and I'm sitting in my room shaking and fucking shitting myself. And it's like, you know, what are you gonna do? Like everybody else in the whole house is fucked up, and it, right. you know that the thing that can make you feel better for that moment, you know, the thing that makes all the pain go away for that moment. Is just sitting yeah. in the other room, and they were more than happy to be like, "Here, bro, you know, yeah, man, it's it's a fucking it's a cycle, and people get caught in it all the time, and it's really sad." And but you know, it's, it's life, like you say, it's life. So you were able to, um, so you uh, ended up getting with uh, linking up with the the crazy town uh after yeah. the slash thing because you because you're just looking for another band i mean how how, how did well, you? well what happened was what happened let me let me add this to it before there's, a, there's another little bridge that comes before i get to crazy town now okay. that was that with slash it was 96. now 97 you know it's, you know i i you know i was supposed to they were going to do some more dates and i didn't go out with them right. in 97. we were supposed to play and that really that really kind of like oh man it was a bummer because I wanted to play the Nam show for the first time, you know, because I have I have sponsors too. Yeah, I'm sponsored by four or five different companies, mm -hmm. so that was a drag. So I, whatever, but this is what you this is what you learn in, you know, living starting a life of total sobriety, especially in this industry. You learn these things, you know. Yeah. But it's all about like the main thing is God doesn't give you more than you can handle, and He's gonna He's gonna clear it for you. Mm -hmm. He's gonna make a way for you to get to where you need to be. And that's what happened with me. Guess who called? Like, okay, so that was January of '97. Guess who called me? I got. I wake up one morning, and, and at that time, I'm a manager of a recovery house. Wow. In S San Fernando Valley, I was a recovery manager. I was a manager of this man. We, we bought this mansion in uh, uh, past, not Pasadena, but in San, San Fernando Valley, right? Mm -hmm. And we turned it into a recovery home. Wow. You know. Um, so. What happened one Saturday morning? It's always on a Saturday morning, right? <laughs> I, I I check my I check my no I don't know if I no yeah I check my voicemail. I had a voice machine, you know, but it wasn't a portable one, you yeah. know, electronic. Yeah. And I hear this voice say, "Man, where you at? Where are you? I got I got Charles Meeks. I got Grant Geisman. Now all we need is you." I got some dates, you know. What are you doing? Call oh, me back, Uncle Chucky. Uncle Chucky. Uncle Chucky, he's back. So Uncle Uncle Chucky Uncle Chucky called me back, and he saw me actually in '93. I did a few dates with him, and I was I was like I was zombie cracked out gotcha. at the time. Yeah. And I saw one of my I saw one of my heroes. I was in Buffalo, New York one night, and one of my heroes was up on stage playing jazz trumpet, and he he was out. He was like out, and I saw that before me. It was like. I saw him and I never, I didn't, I, I didn't want to see him that way. 
Yeah. So that was God just, you know, I mean, my high power was with me then. And he was like showing me, like, this is how you could end up if you, you know, if you should continue down this road, that's going to be you. And yeah. he could already play. I mean, you know, he blew all his lip, this, this guy I was talking about, you know. Yeah. So anyway, so I looked up with I looked up with Uncle Chuck, and '97 was the 20-year reunion of the Feel So Good band. Gotcha. And we got most of we got everybody kind of like back together, except for the saxophonist uh, Jerry Nye. Jerry Nye was his first saxophone player, and uh, sadly to say, we we lost Jerry what eight, 10 years ago, you know, in a plane crash, and he was on his way to a manjoni gig. Actually, oh my actually. God, Jesus! So, but anyway, it was it was great playing with him. I met him, you know, and we played, you know. So I went back to the band, and uh, so that was that was the twenty year reunion. This feels so good, band. So that's what that's how I I went back to Chuck from like th- two and a half years, almost three years, ninety seven to ninety nine. Well, what happened was this, all this stuff seems to happen at the same time, you know, with my life in Hollywood growing up. <laughs> now, I, I recall, and uh, oh no, so what happened was I was coming off a tour with uh, Uncle Chucky. It was in 98, and I lived uh, right actually behind the Hollywood Bowl at the time at a friend's place. And he introduced me to this guy named uh, Brett Mazur. Which is epic, Brett okay. Brett Mazur. The the now producer. At that time, yeah, at that time he was producing other uh-huh. artists. He, as a matter of fact, he played drums for Bev Bev DeVoe and okay. he produced Madonna track. He was producing a lot of major artists at the time. He was pretty hot at the time, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And he, you know, I met him. He came by the house and I met him. And we, my friend and I, Steve, Stevie Stephen C. Stephen Constantino, we were working on an album with one of our other friends that was in recovery by the name of Billy Billy Worth. Billy Worth was in the uh, Lost Boys movie, and he was in a movie with mm. uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg and um, Drew Barrymore. I forgot the name of the movie, but um, he, he actually they actually twelve uh, stepped him, and they they had an inter- inter- intervention meeting with him. Oh wow. With Billy, but Billy was Billy got clean after me. So and it's coming through like an EDM song. That's how I met Epic, and Epic came, and it was a, uh, it was. Think fast and a couple other songs, but it was it was just epic and shifty. Okay. On this demo with the music, you know, because uh-huh. Brett could like you know loops and all that. He, Brett knows how to do all that. And I'm, and I heard the three songs in the first. You know, the first thing I, I thought was like, in my mind, I'm saying I didn't say this out loud to him, but I'm saying, damn. I said, damn, they trying to sound like the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> so he asked me like the first time and I said no. I said they asked they asked me, hey man, I'm trying to, you know, you know, he said they they had another drummer who was kind of a famous punk rock drummer, D D D L or something. He was a, a, a brother, a black black guy. He was a famous uh, I think he played with uh, he played with uh, one of the famous punk bands. Uh but he was he was a brother and but they wanted him, but he he didn't want no parts of it at all. 
they asked him again, and he said, yeah, something happened with him. So they, then I went on tour again and came back, and he said, James, you know, he came back, I need to meet with you again. This is getting serious, you know, with, with this with Sony, you know. Yeah. And then he played, this is our new tr- new track. You know, we need to start, what I want to do is put a band together, and then we learn these songs, and then they're going to pay for a showcase. Sony Music is going to put pay for a room for us, you know, to be, you know, for the showcase. Right. So... And then I thought about it then at that time I had the tour because I had a son, a newborn child and I wasn't, I wasn't married, but mm. I was had to pay child support, there you know, you go. which became a, some other shit later on. But, but anyway, mm. he came a third time. I listened to the track and I liked it. And I said, all right, I'm going to do it. You know? Yeah. So we, we put, we got together with rust, rusty peak, myself and um, Doug Miller, fatal delay, the bass player. So it was just, us three in Epic first, and we were in a room, you know, playing some old beat up drums. We and you know, we we rehearsed the songs for like a month, like, and we finally. Well, what happened was it was really crazy because we had the three three uh, players in the band, and Epic would come by and rap a little bit, you know. But then, like, check this out: Shifty was on lockdown. He had a boot boot on his foot. <laughs> he was in the county. He was in county for selling drugs or something, you know. So, but but he but he had but check this out. He had a, a leave. Of, you know, he had time to you know they, they let him out like for a couple of hours a day. Oh my god! So he would come. So, but but he but he would come right to the rehearsal. You know, Priority. once we started getting a little little tighter, and he was like rapping to the gentleman. So like after a couple of days, and then like then a, uh, DJ AM came. You know, like you know, and then the next day it was trouble. You know. So all the band, like you know, it was the core was just the three of us, me and Russ and Doug, you know, mm-hmm. drums, bass, and guitar. And then we had a guitar player, and then, then uh, DJ AM came, you know, scratching and stuff. Then I, man, after like three weeks, I said, man, you know what? Then I got this chill. I didn't tell you about the the Uncle J- the Uncle James chill that I that I would give down my back when when something's about to hit big. Uh-huh. And it's happened to me several several times in my career. The first time was with when I heard the playback from the, the third take of the Feel So Good song. Mm. Chuck, Uncle Chucky was dancing in the room. I came in the, off, out of the control into the, you know, to the board, mixing board in the room. And he was like, oh my God, throwing his hands up like, hallelujah, this is the track. I'm like, what? I didn't know what, what happened. I said, man, this is the track. We're not recording this anymore. This is the one. That, mm. That's how I feel so good. Same thing kind of happened when, when I was with Mary Shane is that time when I played with them the first time and I felt that this it was time for me to, to be with them and I get I get this like chill on my spine, you know. Oh wow. Third time was with was with Crazy Town, the third week of rehearsal. I I finally this thing came over me like wow, like I like this is it. Because I could feel my like my career kind of flashed in front of me with, with these those two incidents before. Mm. Like like it's that oh, it's that feeling again, you know. Yeah. This is something. That's when it became like that. We played, you know, we played. So what we had to do was put the. We had I think about ten songs, you know. Mm-hmm. We hadn't even gotten a deal at all yet, but but the showcase was the deal was the deal closer. Wow. You know, we they said that we want you guys to put a show together for us. You know, in the, in a room, you know. Yeah. Like so, the top executives, you know, the, the the president from the Sony in New York flew all the way from New York 
to come to Hollywood to be in that room to see mm-hmm. us, okay? Wow. And the head of A&R in L.A., who was our main guy, you know. Right. And they had three, to imagine playing the three suits, three guys, one one suit, one suit, and like two other guys, you know, they three were, guys in one room, and it's just us. They you just know? rented out the whole club for three people. Yeah, I mean nobody's. I mean no, it's just three three men in yeah. the band, and we just play the show like like we're playing a show. Right, right. With all the, with all the energy and everything, like putting on a performance for just them. Right, and that's what we did. We played, we played the show for the cat, and it, after that, he just said, you know, you guys can sign, you know, sign on Monday. Yeah. You know, that was it. Wow. But I remember when I was recording the record, same time, the same day, like I recorded all my tracks. There's a couple of tracks on the album, on the uh, Gift of Game album that you know, um, Epic had used, you know, drum machine on a few things, you know. Mm-hmm. But everything else is live drums. Right. So I had to work with Fed. I was on tour. I was in between tours with Uncle Chucky. Same time, I that particular week, they wanted me to come in and do my tracks. I had to rehearse with Mary Stanish because we were going to do a 10th anniversary show at the now the now gone House of Blues in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, okay? that's long gone. So I had to, I had to rehearse, you know, so, but so I said, look, I t- I do I do you know the save time and money, I mean to really save really knock it out of the, knock it out of the woods. Look here, you guys set up seven set up the seven songs. It's the same thing that I didn't tell you before. It happened with Mary Stanis too, the first album. Mm. I said set up the seven tracks. I knock them out. I knock all. I'll do. I'll, I'll be finished with all seven tracks, drum parts, in four hours, five hours, three, two hours, whatever. Damn. And I did it. I knocked it out. I knocked it out of the woods because I had to, you know, I had to move on. So take care of business when it's fine. You know, that, I did that. Bam, I'm done. That's that's a valuable you know, lesson, though, right there. That, that's a valuable yeah, that's, piece of information because it's like, um, you know, you don't know, you know, like you don't know if you're gonna have time to come back. You don't know if you're gonna be able to go back and do no, it again. You don't and, have time. And, and studios, no, there's, there's no time, time is money, and, that's and what, people budget. Right? Yeah. They got budget. You know. If you can't, you know, back in the sixties and fifties, they used to call it cut, cutting the mustard. Mustard. If you can't cut the mustard, if you can't do the job, yeah. they get, you know, somebody else comes in. You know, it's, yeah. it's over. Right. So I, mean, I know, I you know, I knew knew what to do. Yeah. I know what to do. Yeah. You know, there's no pressure, no pressure on me. Just get set up the drums, put me behind the drums, turn on the music. I'm there. You know, bam, go, mustard it out. Hell yeah. Right. Hell yeah. Get it done. You know? Get it done, son. And uh, so, you know, I went back on tour with Uncle Chucky. I went, first, I had to play that, that weekend, and I had to do this Saturday show at the House of Blues, which was a very memorable memorable experience. You know, that was our the Mary Stanish 10th anniversary, and it was it was great, you know. Mm. And uh, that was our last time we played together, actually. Oh, um, cool. That was our last show ever, you know. And then... Uh, I went back on tour the next week with Chuck. And then, uh, so they were calling me on the road. The management company started contacting me. You know, Epic gave me, Epic wanted to hear from me every day when I, I mean, I was really basically working the weekends with Uncle Chuck. You know, he didn't, you know, he was getting older too. Like, we, we didn't tour a long time, you know, the long, like yeah. we used weekend to. Weekend you know? Warrior, man. He, he earned it. Yeah, Weekend Warriors, you know, we would go out for the weekend and come back and go out. Every, every weekend we would go out. Yeah. So, so uh, Epic was Epic was informing me as uh, far as the negotiations of the contract and put the, you know 
we, we got a booking agent, you know, one of the top booking agents started booking us for shows and trying to get us with certain bands to go out with. And, you know, I needed to have a tour date because at that point, you know, I hadn't told Uncle Chucky that I was jumping off his tour. I had already been with him for two, almost three years. And oh, wow. and at that time in my life, my life and career, I said, uh, I need to, you know, I wanted to stay younger. Mm. And it was it was one of the, for my life for my career it's the best thing because um it was the best thing because the, the older you get you i mean if you want to stick around and and, and be be in, in it right you have to re you have to reinvent yourself yeah, you know absolutely. I, I stay true to my myself and I, I become better i'm better now because of my sobriety and my everything i'm a better i'm a way better singer now i sing and you know i'm playing i'm, I'm I, you know I know more about the technical side of music, you know, yeah. chords and things and stuff that I never, you know, I'm teaching now. I've been teaching, you know, yeah. especially now. I mean, it's been almost damn 20 years with Crazy Town and it's been a different life over here in Sweden. You know, it's been a different. So thing, are you, you know, guys still been... officially a band? You guys, you guys never really broke. No, up. I was going to show you. Actually, I, I was going to wear my. Uh, well, actually, I could show you. Here. I'm gonna get the my my beanie that I was gonna wear it, but it's actually too hot to be wearing it. It's it's winter time here in, in Stockholm. It's not even there's any snow at all. It's really oh. kind of warm. Nice. Last three years it's been strange. It's been I mean it's not hot, but it's right. not like freezing. Right. But it's cold. It is cold. Right. But maybe not. Can you see this here? I can. I can. There you go. Crazy. That's town. The, that's the Crazy Town X. Uh the reunion. No, oh. Crazy Town X. That's the name of the band now. Oh. Crazy Town X. Oh, was that? I think Shifty, Shifty, and uh, Epic had a falling out over the name and shit. You know, so. so oh, oh, so it. so he he. I see, I see. He changed the name and uh, so he could go keep using it. But I right. see, keep I see. going, yeah. Keep so he could so he could work. Keep yeah. working because he keep got working. kids. He got kids now and. Yeah, he almost yeah, died. Like he almost died like wow. four or five years ago. But he came. He came back. He's he's on the right track now. I That's think great. finally. You know, That's so. great. So but we hooked up. We, we hooked up last year. You know, we I, I put that interview together with yeah. one of my students here in Sweden. Actually, one of my drum students because uh, he's young and twenty four, so he knows how to you know do the digital thing with all the cameras and all that. And he, and he was a fan too. A lot of kids that I met here. Some kids that I taught, you know, when I was with Crazy Town, like that I taught here maybe three or four years ago, they were like 10 years old when I was in the band, but they still remember me. So a whole new generation. I have two generations of fans in America. Uh, yeah. Like all over the world. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so interesting about it is that you that you uh, like you were saying, you, you reinvented yourself several times mm -hmm. over your career. And I think it's really interesting to that uh, you know you you decided to go back to younger people because, and that makes sense to me because I I play with younger people too because I'm almost forty and you know there's a whole new generation of kids and 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 people and 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 I don't I, I do like to talk to younger people I do want to like us you know like play with younger people because. I mean, it, it's nice to know what's coming next, right? Like, because usually the youth are on the pulse of what's next, and it's it's just part of my job is to know what's next, and 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 you obviously yeah, but, knew but, that as well. But yeah, but I'm gonna cut you off right here, please. But yeah. as you're 40 years old, I'm 60. I'm 
I understand. Couple years over sixty. I understand. But the thing is, uh-huh. especially like for me, you know, it's it's about passing it on. It's you yeah, know, passing it on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for me. I feel that. I feel that too. Man. I, I, I definitely and that's feel that. Why, right. And that's why I love, you know. There it is. Yeah. 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 Butterfly was huge when uh, I was a teen too, Adam. It, it was all over TRL. Yeah, especially and, especially digital, digitally. I mean, living in America for years, you know, well, at least we got three hours before it started going to shit. You there? Yeah, you know what? You're starting to break up a bit. Hello. Hey, what's up, man? Oh, there you are. I see you now. You froze on us, and, and uh, it was a little glitchy for a second. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Oh, I just... All right. Yeah, you you still yeah so um you know and and now oh shit's starting again i see you still oh yeah now i got you yeah there you are is that it yeah you there yes sir i'm right here okay so that's the thing you know especially now more than ever as i'm getting older then it's more my um my oldest child is my son he's 24 i have another son that's uh he was born here uh he's he just turned 17 um and he's he wants to he, he's gonna start picking up the guitar but my other son uh, jordan uh larson bradley he's 24 and he, he played he's playing the guitar and he he wanted to play with his dad, and that was so cute, too cool when we hooked up. You know, we he moved over here when he was eight. We saved him from from uh, from L.A. because his, his mom was having problems, and uh, he got into the uh, social services system. And ah, but we we moved him here. You know, when he was uh, eight years old, that was in two thousand five. So wow. he's twenty four now. But the last four years ago, five years ago, he was in school. He he picked up the guitar. He learned off. You learn from watching YouTube how to play the guitar. YouTube University, <laughs> baby. Yeah. And then he he just said, you know what? I want to play with you live, you know, because I because we do a lot of blues jams here. I would, well, before I mean, I was working all over all over town here, yeah. Stockholm and stuff. But uh, we have several bands. Uh, I, I, I I work with like eight different bands, you know, like yeah. eight different type bands for like fifteen years, you know, like yeah. local. How I is took, the how is the work? In Stockholm, I mean, you're working, but you're you're. I mean, you're you're James Bradley Jr. Well, but like, how it's, like it's, it's really hard. No, but it, but see, that's a different. That's a different thing. Hey, thanks, Charizard. For Especially this, being so. be, be, being a, a native native Black American, you know, like you know, uh, I had. I mean, it's like you had to prove yourself all over again because wow. it's a different part of the world. It's, it's yeah. just, like the Nordic Nordic region of the world is a slow thinking part of the world, you know. Yeah, if they see even you know even if they see you do something, and if it's overwhelming, then they're like shocked, you know. And that's what happened with me. But then at the same time, when I came here, the the internet in the whole world opened up at the same time. Ah, yeah. So now all this information, all this history is coming out. Mm-hmm. The truth is coming out about me. The stories are coming out about me, you know. And they know. But then it's after a while, like they can these people, they can take take you for granted too. 
oh, I can see him play down the street anytime, blah, blah, blah. It's a different mentality. Sometimes the logic isn't so, yeah. you know, it's not there. Yeah, but you know, but but in order in order to and they look the society kind of looks down on a professional musician. It's like they feel that you have to work a nine to five job. Wow, that's interesting. You know, even, even oh yeah, it's it's crazy. That's like America like they, too. I mean, America doesn't appreciate yeah. their artists at all. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Well, they do the same thing with their own. It's I mean so here strange. Sweden. I mean you know it's the same thing you know. Yeah, man. No, it, what, 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 what's your thoughts on sort of what's going on over here in America right now, which is the social unrest and presidents? Oh, it's and... crazy. It's, it's like it's it's sick. It's sick yes. and evil. That's what it is. Wow. Okay. I mean, 10, 10, 12 years ago, I wanted to come back. I mean, brother, I've had people since I've been living here for fifteen years writing me mail every day. James, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? James, when are you coming back? When are you you coming to the Navajo? And I couldn't leave. Actually, because I had a problem with my passport because of a child support thing, this uh, fucking law that they made, this which is totally stupid. Yeah. Just uh, this Debbie da- dad law. Well, right now, you know, my son that I was paying child support for, you know, when I came here in 2002, I got here, I came in 2002. Mm-hmm. I met my wife while on tour with Crazy Town in March of 2001. The first, first day, I, second day I came to First day I was at uh, came to Stockholm in my life. Mm-hmm. I met her, and so it was it was like a love at first. It was meant to be. Wow. Uh, so the thing is, is like they man. I mean, you know, people. Uh, yeah. So I had that was before Jordan came, and my son Jordan. I was just telling you about came here. So yeah. they wanted me to pay. Like I didn't have to pay a child. They gave me some money back, and you know. Wow. But it was like it's it was a four or five four five year thing, but they like canceled my passport. It's been canceled for ten years, and because because like because check this out, state of California. Yeah. My my ex girlfriend who actually lost her mind had like signed my I don't know if she forged my name or what I signed the you know the, the paper the child support, but then. Then it was some other bill, like you know, they tried to get me on the arrears, you know, arrears. You know okay. what that is? I arrears. don't. I don't. And I, I found out it was like because of the medical, the medical bill or nursery school bill that she had my son in. Oh. They tried to charge me interest for like 10, 10 12 years or something. Before. What the fuck? State of California, okay. Behind this damn crazy. law, this dead, yeah, this dead yeah. be law. So that's why I haven't dead been back to law. America. But I'm wow. glad I didn't. You know what? I mean. Now, now I know, you know, like I said, like like you know me by now, and this my high power is, you know, takes me where I need to be. Yeah, and that's uh, you know that I choose to call God, the universal God. Sure. So that's why I haven't been back, you know. Wow. But my I have family, and I have now I have you know I have, you know through the through the internet uh, revolution, I have you know young fans, younger fans, uh, all my old fans, everybody found me, and they, they yeah. you know. We're in constant contact, you know, all the time now, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I wanted, I wanted to go back, but there, there may be, but see, you know, in the next two years, you know, hopefully, I mean, this, uh, this virus thing is, is uh, uh, diabolically mad, yeah. and I'm saying I'm using that term like they, you know, remember the car- cartoon and shit that you know what. 
you know, with uh, Simon Bar Sinister and Underdog and all that yeah. shit, Superman and Kryptonite. I mean, this shit is what it is. I mean, you yeah. know what I'm saying? No, it you is, know? man. It's, 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 and then, and, and, and it's, you know, it's like, it's, uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. You just have to definitely let go, let God, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, the main thing is like the most important thing is that, you know, they, been separate, you know, separating us, you know, try and try and try and try and separate us, you know, for three, four hundred years. I mean, mm. it's got to stop, you know. Yeah. We the people, it says we the people, yeah. we the people need to come together. We the people need to come together in support and love and help each other, yeah, you know, especially over, I mean, over there, you know, yeah. that's the thing. Because the outside, you know, we look, you know, I, I live in Europe, I mean, I'm, I'm a resident of, of this country, you know, the country. Yeah. 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 I've been a resident for now almost 17, 18, you know, years now. Mm. And I, and I, when I first came here after five years, I wanted to go come, you know, at least go visit, come back and visit. And I wasn't able to because of that. But, right. you know, I hope, to, you know, I hope to do that now. And, and I feel that strongly that that will, will happen, you know. Do you um, think that you kind of getting stuck over in Sweden, um, do you think that, I mean, do you think, well, I mean, it's, it seems like an obvious answer, but do you think that impeded your career in any way, or um, do you do you do you, I mean, because it's you were kind of uh, you're stuck there, right? Because if you don't have your passport, you can't even really leave Sweden. So, well, I mean, I, um, so I can leave. I can drive. I can drive all over Europe. I can go. Oh, okay. I, mean, I have my res. I have ah. my residency card. So, because I, I, I've been I've been back to Berlin. That's right. Because it's a I, European Union it thing. Yeah. I, I just did an album there, so that's you know I, I just did an album there three years ago. Oh, that's then, cool. I mean, do you do you so you know during your time sort of being sequestered there, were you getting phone calls like, hey man, we come on, we gotta we no, got to no, no hell no, not not going back to America. Yeah, as many people as I know, you know, because there's a whole new generation of them. But that you know, yeah. so what? I mean, that's a, that's the thing too about like we need to, you know, not to. Forget about the, you know, the legends that are still amongst us that are still living today. Okay, absolutely. And that's when young people. I think more and more young people are starting to understand that. Though yeah. I think they, they more than ever. From years ago, it was more, especially with this this world threatening virus when it shut down the whole industry. Now everybody, no matter how much money you have or how big you are, or whatever. Yeah. You know, they they fixed it so they you know. And we have we have your ass now, you know. Dude, you know what? So, I had this thought that I wrote down when we first started talking about because we were talking about they, and and, mm-hmm. and they they and we were talking about how music has sort of been this great bonding thing for for race relations for for myriads of things, right? Music has always brought people together, and and yeah. sort of when we were thinking, I wrote this thought down is that they sort of took away the 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 things that really make us who we right. are they exactly. took the, exactly. they killed yeah. that with this virus this i'm not yeah. calling it a yeah. fake virus but they took advantage of this time to sort of right. eliminate the thing that brings people together art and, and movies and music and and, and, and so right. so yeah. so i sort of that's had that what I, that's what that's what i said earlier to yeah. you remember yeah. i said that earlier in the right. interview about that that that's exactly right that's yeah. what it is it, it, they're they're separating us from it, and, and they're taking jobs from us, and and they're expecting us to just you know, 
sit at home and, and just starve to death, I guess. But it's just it's it's really weird here right now. And and I'm sure you uh, I'm sure that you you feel a bit fortunate over there. What what's your what's the European? Yeah, it's a little different. It's a little, it's a little different here. I mean, yeah, you know, there's a lot of differences here. And one of the main things here now you in 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 one way you're right. It has kind of like. I, I still have a lot of stuff to deal with as, as a, being a black man in a country like this. But the yeah. thing is, yeah, even though like people know that, like I kind of like kind of became a legend here, but I'm not being treated. I mean, in some ways, a lot of ways, I'm not being treated as such. You know, I mean, I should be, you know, to example, for example, we should be set up at a club like the club owners i guess it's the same all over the world they're like you know they don't feel like they they have to, i mean there's one one or two clubs that, that that try to help the musician but there's always some clubs that are like dickheads they, oh yeah especially here it's all about alcohol and drinking because this yeah. is a high high alcoholic these people are atheists and <laughs> it's all about it's all, it's all about no seriously it's all about alcoholism you know yeah They'll, they'll, they'd rather come out and if they're not really a true music lover or, of a certain style. Mm -hmm. They'd rather come out and drink and talk bullshit and, yeah. you know, it's clean, you know, even if, you know, you have top musicians playing, you know, or they'll support a beer, a, a, a hillbilly, hillbilly beer band from here before they would support somebody like me. And before they would be scared because we, we could be very intimidating. I mean, we, 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 we put it down, you know. We, kick some ass and yeah. you know it was too sometimes it's too much but then a lot of people after after i established myself here as a drummer then they you know i have a lot of support here they support me there's some women and people guys and stuff they don't even care who i'm playing with whatever band i'm playing with in sweden whether it's funk soul soul or r&b or jazz or what they'll, they'll come out to see me you know yeah. they come out and see me anyway do they know that like I said, it's it is what it is. They can't take that away from me. Nobody in the world, you know. Yeah, that, for so. sure, man. That's your. It is what it is. Yes. Whether it, whether somebody, you know, they're gonna be jealous of me. I don't care about that. You know, <laughs> you know, God, God put you know. I was put here on earth to do what I do. Okay. Yes, sir. You know, I give myself to you. You know, hundred percent with all my heart and soul and love. You know. Yeah, man. Yeah. You know? You're welcome if you, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep doing what I do. Hey, man, know? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I know I do, man. Um, so you guys are going back in the lockdown. Have you, did you play any gigs over summer? I know you guys kind of lifted. Yeah. Like, what happened we... was uh, I was playing, I was working up until the summer. I guess everybody was, was really working. Yeah. And it's the crazy thing is that I, you know, I've, I've played with several jazz bands, but mostly I'm known here for playing blues, like R and B and blues, like mm. real blues, like yeah, you know, <clears throat> you know, playing a blues band. And there's one uh, Swedish blues rock band, a legendary Swedish blues rock band called Sky High. Oh yeah, I think I've heard of him. Yeah, Klaus Engstrom, and he is like a Jimi Hendrix uh, practitioner historian. He's a, he's one of the one of the i mean one one of the best guitarists in sweden and nice. he's like my big, he's like my big swedish brother and we hit it off of course because he knows i have you know i i have i have studied the history of jimmy Hendrix. i mean i was 12 years 12 years old when jimmy died my mother my mother and father wouldn't let me listen to jimmy Hendrix's music in when he first came out you know wow but i had a 
I had a step uncle that was a Jimi Hendrix fan, and that's how I. And he was like, let, 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 let me show you something. <laughs> let me let show you, you right. something. Right, yeah, totally. Yeah. Something that you, that you can't so, tell your mom uh, about. <laughs> right, right. Voodoo child. But I didn't really, but then I, but, but then I had to, I had to actually study uh, his music. You know, when I got old, like, I think around the Mary Stanish days, I would, like, you know, then I would, then I would listen, like, ear train, do my little ear training sessions and listen to his music, listen to the chords he's playing. I mean, really getting to him, getting that's when I was able to understand what he, you know, how like he was from another planet type of he artist, you know, he was, I mean, you know what I mean? So, fucking you know, other so, world, man, you know, another dimension. Um, well, yeah, totally. we're, we're wrapping up here, man. Um, what, yeah, what's your what's your uh, what's your plans for the future? Like, what? I mean, I know we're all well, sort of stuck in this place, but like, what? What's I think your I'm. But you know what? I'm, I think I'm gonna break it. Break the news with you for sure. the first time. Oh, I'm ready. Really, well, how can I put it? Without, um, we're something big is in the works with uh, the JBJ. Oh. legacy okay in the form of uh i can just give you a hint and that's all i'm going to say about it but in the in the form of a film documentary oh wow from um yeah from yeah another uh, company in america actually right now we just started uh getting information together and stuff right now the last two weeks i i got i got hit with a proposal to do to do something wow. like that with somebody so well, that's that's like the biggest thing, yeah. And and, and I'm uh, God willing and with God's grace, you know, gonna happen because it's gonna be it's gonna take it's gonna be a year, year and a half, well, a year, one year and a half, or maybe two years before it's done and out. So mm -hmm. that's the plan right now. Right now, but I'm also gonna be releasing. I have some other. I have some music. Oh, every uh, we have a lot of people who listen to Spotify. Uh, this one album that I have, I have a group too that I, that I put together, a modern rock group in the style of Foo Fighters and Lenny Kravitz. Oh, cool! Called uh, yeah, called Kill Your Darlings. <laughs> Kill your darlings. With a Z. Kill your darlings. All right. And uh, we have an album on Spotify. It's been there for five or six years, but you you guys go on and check it out. Downloaded songs. I know this. I can guarantee you, there's at least one or two songs that you would love, and then download download it. Download the songs and uh, check. You know, kill your darlings. It's modern rock. I'm I'm singing in background, co-lead co-lead vocals. The one song is called "Mary Goes Around." I recommend "Mary Goes Around" and uh, "The Walls." Those are my two favorite. And there's a song. The one song that's getting picked up in some other countries uh, called "Wild Child." It's like a it's a ballad, but it's no drums. It's amazing. You guys check it out. I want you. Oh, I want you to play it on your station too. There it is. There it is. Mary. Okay. Well, it's a live version, so I think we'll be able to play it without getting um, getting pulled. So um, I'll let this play in the live background. version. It looks like it's a okay. live version. Kill your darlings. Mary goes around live. I don't, I don't hear it. Oh yeah, you're not gonna hear it, man. It's 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 in the background I hear, I hear some, yeah there's I hear some you can hear stuff. a little bit out of these shitty speakers but it's uh but yeah man well i i really go ahead please that's on spotify go on spotify get, go go on spotify 
It's on Spotify. I'll make sure I'll make sure I leave a link in the chat. And when this comes out on audio, I'll make sure that uh, yeah. And if there's a song you want me to play on the audio release, I'd be happy to play it. If you if you have like any original music or any music that or these guys, I don't mind throwing them on there if they're not. Uh, I want to make I want I want to make the announcement that I'm releasing my first solo single. Nice. Singing. It's called and just and the name of the song is called People Wake Up. Come together. You need to hear this. It's okay. a total blues, total blues, country blues, uh, gospel song. And the, the words, I think you would love it. I think I'm, you would love I'm down. It. I'm totally down. Please keep me in touch. Or so, let's, let's stay in touch. Let's... Yeah, no, no, no. As soon as uh, I have to actually make, I have a mixing session. Session. I don't have a. I don't have. A, I haven't done the final mix yet. Oh, okay. Well, when it's I'm ready, man, it, let I'm me know. Yeah, please do uh, send yeah, it over, send and, copy, and I'll I'll throw it on a podcast release for sure. You know, any um, even if it's not your podcast release, because I I'll uh, put music on the top of the show. So uh, no problem, man. Just send it over. But okay, okay. James Bradley Jr. Thank you so right, much for your time. I mean, you were so generous with us with your time and and your stories. I sincerely appreciate uh, it. Thank you so much, James. You have a wonderful rest of your night. I know, I know, it's late for you now, so you get some rest. Sir. Yeah, it's twelve o'clock, but you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play one game of NBA 2K. <laughs> That's right. I, I forgot. I don't, I don't have. I have. I have a. Pri- I have a private lesson to teach tomorrow, but you know, my son isn't here tonight, so I can. I can chill with my wife. It's time to party. And, and I want to say to everybody. I want to say tell everybody I love you, and thanks for listening in, and God bless you all, and everybody come together. Yes. Come to I'm gonna get and uh Adam Fleur says well, you the man. Saying, uh Adam Fleur says you the man, uh JBJ. Who? Uh and they Who's said uh, Adam Flair UK. He's actually an amazing musician too. Uh he he, okay. he, right. he he's out of the UK uh and he, he does like um he does like uh throwback eighties type uh funk, you know, like uh in the vein right. of like Prince or something like that. Like, you know, like okay. in that kind of vein. Uh, it's really dope. I, I don't know if you ever heard of Chromio, but like it's something like that. Yeah, yeah Adam Flair is the shit. Adam Flair is the shit. I, I fucking love Adam's music. Right. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I appreciate it. And uh, Mr. Bradley, thank you, sir. And uh, we're just—I'm reading the chat. And uh, amazing interview. Right, thank you, yeah. sir. And everybody's happy that you're here. So thank you so much, James. You have a wonderful rest of your evening, and we will be in touch yeah, soon. My evening's over. Is <laughs> it? It's gonna. Be- the next day already oh yeah but, yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> you're more enjoy your merry morning christmas. <laughs> merry christmas uh happy kwanzaa uh, good, i gotta say in swedish merry christmas good good you good you good you good you good you good sir yeah. all right bro you. you have a great right. and wonderful evening or morning i should say all right brother oh uh, yeah we'll be in touch man For thank sure. you so much be in touch hey Thank you so much, James. I truly appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, you know, taking the time to, to go through your entire career and, and and just lay it all out for us. And, and what an amazing career that James has had. I'm just, you know, the whole time I'm just, my jaw is open. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh. You, and then you worked with that guy and then I worked with this person, you know, so uh, 
thank you so much, James. I I I, I, I truly appreciate this experience and. Um, and I, I hope that uh, you get that documentary made on you. And uh, I hope that you <laughs> use some portions of this. Feel free, James, to use portions of this of this conversation in the documentary. It's all good. <laughs> Anyways, go give James some love on Facebook. Go give him some love um, on Instagram. And I'll put all those links in the show notes so you guys can go follow up the maestro himself a, a funny thing happened well i guess it's not that funny and i don't think he'll mind me telling this quick silly story about um about uh uh about getting hacked so his account got hacked the other day and, and it was just early in the morning and i was just up working and i get this text from james it, it was from his facebook messenger and it said hey brother how are you doing and, you know i'll just read it to you guys hold on let me just open up this bad boy here. Mm-hmm. All right, wait, no, here we go. So this is how the and, and this is not outside of him because he's very friendly. He's a very friendly gentleman, and uh, he, you know he he we wished each other Merry Christmas and stuff. It, it was, he's just a nice guy. So uh, so this is uh, this is what he said. Hello, brother. How's life been treating you? Hope you're good. And and that's like totally what James would say. And, and I honestly just thought he was either saying hi or he was just inquiring about this podcast release because I told him that there would be an audio version of this podcast. So uh, here it is. Uh, but so here we go. So I am doing well. Hope you are too. I'll be releasing the audio version of the podcast we did next Wednesday. There will be a YouTube version too. So be on the lookout. I'll send a flyer too. Uh, and that's for me, of course. And then he, he responds, It's nice to hear from you. Doing good and am blessed. All is well here. Life is good and I'm enjoying it. Great thing great thing happened to me lately. Do you heard do you heard anything concerning the CNN news last week? I have not. What happened? And then so at this point I'm just like, What what wait, what? CNN? And and he had told me about um he had told me about uh, uh, this documentary going on and, you know, getting some more attention and stuff, uh, you know, attention coming back to him uh, in, in, in celebration of his career and such. So I, uh, I was like, oh, well, maybe he was on a CNN and I'll be like, and in my head, I'm like, sweet, that, that means the podcast will, you know. People want to hear the podcast too because they saw something on CNN. And I'll be like, "Hey, as seen on CNN." What? No, that's silly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I said, "I have, I have not." What happened? Uh, and then he responds with, "I was wondering if you have heard about the Federal Government of Workers' Compensation Appeals Board (WCAB) cash fund prize." And I'm just like, "What? What?" And then at this point, I'm like. I think this is a bot or or at least his his uh, account was hacked so uh, I did the only sensible thing and said I googled it and I found out that this was a scam that's being run on Facebook right now so if any of your friends message you about uh, the the federal government workers compensation appeals board cash fund prize just be on the lookout it's there's not much it, there's, it's it's a scam so <clears throat> So I, I, I said, I went and looked it up, and then, of course, my mischief, my mischievous self was like, 
Let's, let's see where this goes. So <laughs> I said I have not. I got $70,000 from the Federal Government of Workers' Compensation Appeals Board for this COVID-19, and they are helping all the retired, old, and young self-employed workers, musicians, disabled, deaf widows, and divorced in the community. Haven't you heard anything about this or gotten yours yet? And I'm like, OMG, no! How how do I do it? Question mark. How come you haven't? But I saw your profile name when I was trying to sign paperwork. I thought you would have received the money too. That is why I messaged to inform you about it. Well, you need to contact their online claims agent through their claim link. I said, wow, James, how did you get that kind of information about me? That's a little strange, don't you think? I wasn't notified about it. I wasn't notified about it, not until an old friend of mine who also got the money first contacted me to tell me about it. So I had a, to contact the agent in charge to see if I also qualified for it. The agent checked for my name and he said I qualified too. I was so surprised when they delivered my money to me some days ago. Wow, James, you really must, you really have my best interest at heart. That's me. But I suggest, you, I suggest you should contact the claiming agent in charge to claim your own cash money. Should I give you the online claim agent's Facebook link where I claimed mine so you can also claim yours too? No, I already found the link online. I'm already registered. Thanks. That was it. <laughs> and then they never responded. So that, that, that's not much of it. That didn't go much. That didn't go anywhere, did it? <laughs> So that was my interaction with uh, somebody who hacked James' uh, uh, Facebook. And so poor James, who's been building this Facebook, you know, he has like thousands of friends. Now he had to start a whole new Facebook page. And uh, so I'll link the correct Facebook page to the show so you guys can go follow him and stay up to date with some stuff going with, with what he's doing and with what he has going on over there. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> thank you, James. And again, go and check out RainMystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Go check it out. It's, it's a good time over there. Uh, she also streams three days a week, Monday, Tuesdays at uh, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and on Friday, or on Saturdays, excuse me, Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also find us on Twitch, of course, twitch.tv at twitch.tv slash we speak english good and uh of course you can go like subscribe review like us on facebook instagram uh twitter discord the whole gamut and uh go uh, subscribe to us i have to think how it goes subscribe to us on youtube and uh on apple itunes or on uh, the the twitch and you can also leave a review for us and it helps us to be found in the algorithm podcast thing oh i can hear my wife homeschooling my son and my son, my son's yelling right now <sighs> okay gang take care of your fellow human beings hjs for everybody we'll see you guys next time on friday now i think it's controversy for breakfast i think that's who's on i don't know for sure we'll see anyways i'll see you guys later